coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Dread, his first shot of the night, and it's well short. Saved, fuck for the tie. No, one Another look at it. He had it stripped. And Rutgers with a huge comeback win here on the road. Jim Hart. Off the bounce. Now, once you see one go through, it could change things. We'll see. Yeah. Moore wants to attack. Spinning. Kicks. Dixon. Left corner. Three. He's got it. A new career high in points. As Dixon now has 26 points. And he's made six threes. Oh, my goodness. You got to love it. And the trainer is Kaluma. Now, that is vintage treatment. They shoot it so much better. Riesel does stay in the game. Working on 11 points, and he dislodges Talon Cooper for a dunk. Battled around, and it is Hoiberg saving the day. Hoiberg with a flip and bounds to Wiltshire, puts it up. Ball hits the head of uh, another save by Hoiberg, and the left-handed layup is good. Sam Hoiberg in an and one. And a lot of people would have kind of folded the tent, but they had not done that at all. And responded beyond that. Walker may have just helped close it. He goes coast to coast. An exciting weekend of college basketball, but a lot more to get to here on the show. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. I say we. It's Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, Shane Schillerberg. Great job on the open over there, Shane. Lots of college basketball highlights uh, that you probably had to sift through, and that's because it was, well... A wild weekend in college oh, basketball. On, you could say Saturday was one of those this is March moments. But it's this is February, DB. I don't think you know yet. Did you know it's only February 27th and not March 15th? Yeah, it was uh, super wild out here in college basketball. A few surprises. Um, you know, what? Uh, the media, the first game that comes to mind is West Virginia and KU. Uh, but I've seen West Virginia's act before, and I'm like, gosh, they're capable. But then I feel like I say that about everybody in the Big 12. So, I mean, just one of, one of those weekends. I mean, heck, you could go over to the women's game uh, with Iowa and Indiana. Mm-hmm. I, there was – there was a lot going on in hoops. Shane, I will get into the stream shortly when it, when I feel like my camera situation is right. When you just feel – whenever you feel like it. I mean, How pretty, about that? I'd, Take your time. We're on a relaxed Monday here today. So. Oh, I'll, I definitely won't be rushing, that's for sure. <laughs> does, does West Virginia – what was that guy – who was the guy they had for a long time that felt like he was there for 20 years? Pit Snuggle? Yes. Yeah. Oh, old pit snoggle. Old pit snoggle. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just the name that. No, I'm serious. Like, why are you laughing? Like, laugh. We're off to a, one of those starts it's already. It's a good Monday. Because yeah, good Monday. Who doesn't like a last this week? Who doesn't like it? Well, you you guys were part of some trade bait, so you probably feel like. <laughs> I mean, I, I have some some fuel in, on the NFL front coming into well, well that Monday. and, and it, that and your Blues. Oh, geez, the Blues are just tossing everybody away. Hey, I mean, you, I hope Zach Dean pays off, dude. Did you realize that uh, Malkin, Crosby, and Latanga played eight hundred games together? 
they that's are a, that's a lot a lot like Taze and Kane and could you pull Duncan Keith in? To I don't that? know. But did he really get spit on this weekend? Did Drew you see Dowdy? it? <laughs> oh, it was Dowdy. That's, I was thinking good defenseman. It, right, you're right. right. It was Dowdy, and I was like. You don't see that in penalized. For you don't it. see that in hockey a ton. And I saw a replay for for four minute misconduct. How so big there, was the loogie? So there were a couple of different. Those were two in, different instances that I saw in the NHL. Because because you know what I I think there's two sports that I think do replay better than just about anyone else. And and I know one of these factions is going to be like, well, you don't say, man. Did you see the Kale Lordson match? But it was it's a different kind of replay. Wrestling and I think NHL hockey do replay college hockey or college wrestling. Like I, I it's so bang bang, and I think more times than not they get it right, and I like how quickly they do it. But NHL gets it right too. Yeah. There's a lot of sports, though, that are kind of trending that way now. Sands the uh, hands pass from about four years yeah, ago. But well. <laughs> Stanley Cup finals, but whatever. Close, we ta- so. we talking hand pass? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant ham pies. I was talking fruit pies. Oh. Fruit pies, man. You know I'm a, I'm a fruit pie guy. Are you? That's Apple? Cherry? Yeah. Blackberry? Uh, so blackberry is the blueberry knockoff. Um They've now gone to mixed berry with some of the other, like JJ's and some others. Hostess was always blueberry. They had the mixed berry, smart, rightly or wildberry, rightly so. It didn't last long. Uh, they, they went with the raspberry, the peach, the apple. Hostess just needs to bring the whole thing back, man. I don't want to. I would. For about 16 years, I was willing to die on that hill. I got off probably about a year and a half ago when I stopped getting replies from Hostess. Stop emailing us. We're not bringing the pies back. I said, "Well, you, you brought walk, you walked in today, and you're like, man, I hop on these Google forums. I, I, uh, I got to get on the waffle crisp train. Now. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring back. <laughs> and now I'm hearing about you just hammering yeah. hostess. Hostess basically told me that I didn't understand to go kick rocks. <laughs> well, that <laughs> cost effective. Uh, we got into overhead. We got into you, fee. You really had a back and forth with a customer service rep at Hostess? Well, this has been going on since like 2013. It's continuous? You still well, have I stopped. It only went on for about five years. I would say only? Tw- I would say six. 2013 to about 2019. You're not helping your case here. You, you well, I'm just being honest. With, for six years. Because a couple of times a year I would ask again because I would see them tease me with like, Random flavors. I was like, hey, if you're still, if Hostess, if you're still rolling with apple and cherry, are those just exponentially cheaper than like peach and blueberry? Like I see blue, I see cartons of blueberries for three ninety nine. HBO, man, help a brother out. Go back to making blueberry Hostess pies. Nah, not doing it. Discontinued that line 10 years ago. Who are you? Well, I'm just random customer, just... These are real. Do you not ho- know who I am? Yeah, just, I'm just a, ra- and I'm probably like what one of, you know, a billion people. <laughs> they, you know, it's like, 
Well, I know there's more than that in the world, but I'm just saying that would actually email. I don't even think there's a billion. I'm one of probably about. <laughs> I, I can tell you what. If I <laughs> Am had, I one of 10 that would email hostess? If, if I had a tizzy with a, a company, I would send one email and be done with it. Would you? I would not. Persistent, I would not fella. last six years back and forth about various things that just pop up over the months. So, yeah. So, I rolled in this morning, and I'm just sitting out in the parking lot, and my window's down, and I know it's raining. It's rain. It's is that rain or is it kind of dewy mist or is it rain? It was rain. Okay, didn't seem a like light it was rain. Didn't seem like it was really a coming drizzle. in. My, coming in my window, so I like to have the windows down. I had a window down. I'm like, golly, man, it smells like waffle crisp. And I'm a huge waffle crisp guy. Shane, of course, likes different. Shane, I want to get this right. You get mad. It's not. Is it a juice? Is it an oil? What what did what do I call the stuff you put in your little vape juice? Is it juice? Yeah, it's juice. Okay, what's the flavor today? Uh, it's a caramel coffee. Oh, that's what it is. I'm way off. It smells like waffle crisp. So I walked in and you said you your usual morning DB, and I was like, man. We need to bring back waffle. Well, first crisp. off, you came through the wrong door. That's yeah. how I knew today was going to go <laughs> sideways because you did not come through the double doors. Yeah, you're like, oh, what are you doing? I was like, oh, just taking a walk. And you, it was brisk. Yeah, like you, you basically ran to the stage, dude. I have to get my mind right, and I came on on the other side. I never come up that side usually. I typically come up this side. Are you okay? Yeah, I just want to bring back waffle crisp. But I, but I don't have the energy. <laughs> I told you, too, my cousin, my cousin, so every year we do Secret Santa. You seem very And all right he now. put on his is list. Is he still a secret? Is he still a secret? Yeah. Santa. I mean, he's not a secret guy. <laughs> uh, that's what you're asking. <laughs> wow. Um, like you. Um, <laughs> woo woo. And so he put. Bet you didn't break the news to her. <laughs> never. <laughs> I will never do that. Although, before I. Tell this Waffle Crisp story. My fireplace inside the house changes colors because it's electric. And I, over the weekend, was FaceTiming with my mom. And Clara's like, I want to see Uncle Woo Woo. So she grabs the phone. And I'm like, Clara, say abracadabra. And you can change the color. Well, here we go. And look what I started. <laughs> She's abracadabra. 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 You're like, ah. What Day and a half later, I'm talking to my mom on the phone. Clara, I hear in the distance, abracadabra. <laughs> she, she's like, I, I want to do abracadabra. I'm like, oh, man, look what I started. Mm. Completely off topic. But uh, Waffle Crisp, he put it on a secret Santa list, and that's all he wanted. So my, cu- my other cousin who had him just hid boxes of cereal around his house. All Waffle Crisp? And made Crisp? him track it down. All Waffle Crisp. He opened every box up, and it was just – is that – Kellogg's? I think it's Post. Is it Post? Yeah. It does seem like a Post thing because don't doesn't Post do like those corn? Yeah, I think I I think it's I think it's corn pops. I think it's Post. I don't know why they got rid of that that cereal, but it was fire. But anyway, that's as uh, we get off our 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 food. So that's really what that's really what started the yeah. What it? It's Post. It's Post. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was corn pops when I was looking over at it at first. Fire. Well, uh, another they, email is being sent today. They're now calling it a nostalgic breakfast classic. You could probably get that off of Amazon in bulk. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. Last time I checked, it wasn't available. Discontinued forever, huh? They'll yeah. bring it back. Yeah, I that was a fan favorite for a lot of people. Like sexy, bring it back. Mm-hmm. 
Justin Shane, who's saying? There you go. Sorry. No, I figured he would know. I sometimes like with its music, you oh, like yeah. you're like yeah. Well, if it know. has anything to do with breaking th- breaking down the dance floor at homecoming, ooh, oh, get my, me going. Oh my lord. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Another overrated phenomenon is homecoming. Homecoming. You can get Waffle Crisp off of Amazon right now for $20 a box. Part 30. Stop it. A box? It's $28. Now, that's ridiculous. It's it's two boxes. It doesn't matter. (laughs) That's ridiculous. There's only 14 left in stock. You better order soon. 14 left in stock? So you're telling me people bought this for $28? You think I'm kidding. Here's a $50 box. You Uh, think? You think? Uh, I mean, I've I'm not. Lo- I, I know looked, the craze. I've looked at this. I know the craze for, for a waffle while. crisp, but I am not spending. It's, it's ridiculous to three hundred times what it's worth. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough out here. You're telling me that you would spend twenty eight dollars on two boxes of cereal? No, I would not. Because you have a brain. <laughs> my, my mom gave me a box of cereal yesterday morning that hadn't been opened. It was tricks. And it was family size. I'm like, oh, that would be good for the week. It's like, oh, take that before it goes bad. I had to make sure I looked at the expiration date. It's February 26th. If it was sealed, that should be fine. And it was. Yeah. It was. I spent a lot of time with her yesterday. It was very therapeutic. Your mom? Yeah. I actually cooked over there for the first time on a humbug. I, I just wanted to go drop off some donuts. Whose kitchen do you like more, hers or yours? She has more toys, but I prefer my kitchen. It's a little bigger. Just because of the openness of your yeah. first floor. She has way more toys. She has this cool hood. You know, she has like the double stove. She has the cool pots that I think even glue wouldn't stick to it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> the as seen on TV, Bro, pots and pans. It's like, you don't even need. I just, I put cheese on the bottom, sh- shredded cheese. No cooking spray. Just flipped it over after I poured the eggs in. No problem. Oh yeah, it's, that bad boy slid right what, out. What? What is that pan that that does that? I, sh- I, I should have. I should have. Like, it's the one that has the bronze yeah, interior, copper something or another. Yes. I don't know. But anyway, so I emptied her dishwasher. And this is vintage, mom. Because normal people sometimes you can take a day to empty your dishwasher and. I said, hey, are these dirty or clean? And I opened it up, and she said, I'm embarrassed to say that those have been in there since yesterday morning. And, you know, they were still clean, right? I'm like, oh, you'd be way ahead in our house. <laughs> like, he's only been in here 24 hours, and they're clean. <laughs> You're like, that's it? Oh, man, you got an eight-hour start on our house. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. It's <laughs> <to say. laughs> a mom thing to say something like Do, that. Though. Would you like to take a guess? And the the total number of dishes in there was less than fifteen. I was going to say I'm going to say three plates. But it's funny because everything I come by it honestly, everything in there had a place to go. Hey, where do these bowls go? Oh, they go above the ceramic ones on the left side. Oh, hey, these are measuring bowls. What? Where should I put these? Well, those go with the measuring cups. I said, Mom, you have five measuring cups. Hey, who has five My mom. Pyrex glass measuring cups? Do you know the theory? In case you're baking and it's it's a big re- recipe and you need multiple things that go in cups, you don't just put it in the cup and pour it in and pour something in the cup. You have five cups. I mean, why wouldn't you? So you could do it five <laughs> times at once. I mean, hey. Well, especially if you have, well, think if you're dealing with oil and then you have to put flour in a cup. 
Like, would you wash? Oh, uh, Mr. Pragmatic. I'll take two cups, bro. What about the ones that you just have the handle in your dump? You don't need the glass Pyrex ones. Oh no, no, the little handle cups. No, is, she is has. What I'd use. She I has know five right Pyrex measuring cups. It's a lot, but when you have that much space. <laughs> She just got this cool, I don't even know why we're doing this, the first segment on a Monday, but it happens with us. <laughs> she got rid of her bread box because she got a new five-in-one. I finally welcomed her to the air fryer world. Remember, I had to go over oh, and set yeah. it up. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a singular tube where you just put a loaf of bread in it, and you, you put a container on it. It's clear see-through. It's the length of a I've loaf of bread. I've seen one of those before. I said, was this really necessary mom and she goes well you can't just have a loaf a random loaf of bread on your countertop i do (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh okay (laughs) she's just cooler than a fan and then of course (laughs) yeah get ready to leave and she goes see this is what it's all about just impromptu visits had a nice time i enjoy your company i was like walk of shame to the truck (laughs) I guess I don't impromptu visit enough. <laughs> I don't know, Damon. Uh, random <laughs> loaf of breads are always pretty good. Dude, you got to see this container. I didn't even know they made such things. They make things for everything. Everything. Dude, if I had like just crazy discretionary. It, it's income, like a I, cake container I'd have for all, bread. I'd have all the toys. I'm telling you, you need. It doesn't matter what you need in that kitchen. She has it. It's unreal. It's ridiculous. Dude, her her kitchen scissors you could use in surgery i'm like what do you use these once a year they're so sharp i sharpen mine once a week they're so bad i don't even sharpen mine <laughs> oh i have to i dude can you use dull cutlery oh, i do i not my knives oh, but it's a it's a pet piece. scissors i don't really use scissors all that much Oh, kitchen shears are the best. Wait till you start, like, spatchcocking like chickens. But anyway, I assume at some point, what is the clock, man? We're just having, like, we're having family good, time. We're having a good morning. How were your parents this weekend? Were they good? Did you check in? I did on did them, Sunday. Did you ask them about service? Do you realize, did you catch your mom dancing in here? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I didn't want to stare. but it when, was, when the music was playing, yeah. out, did we finish? We weren't done. She just like stood up and was dancing. I was like, you know what? My See, mom vibes. And there's joy, right? That I always tell people they worry too much about happiness. Happiness comes from what's happening. Like she has like true joy. Like you, know, you could tell her peace comes from seeing other people function. Right. She's with her little fam. By the way, I don't know if my family. I told you could hang out in here and just chill. They went somebody to watch. Would, somebody would have probably killed somebody. I called my mom yesterday after my sister got in from St. Louis, and she's like, I heard I just missed you by five minutes. You couldn't wait? It's like, oh, hey. Sick. Glad, glad you got here safe. <laughs> <laughs> no, you talk, you talk about pure joy. I was at Omaha Hockey this weekend, Friday night, to be specific, because I went to the Team Jack Gala in Lincoln, uh, which I'll want, tell you a story I want to hear about, about that. that. Um, but at the Omaha Hockey game, there was a little girl – I ended up meeting her, age 9, 10. Her name was Ariana, but she was wearing St. Cloud State gear. Yeah. But she was in a cheerleading outfit. And every stoppage when music would play, she had her pom-poms in hand, would walk into the aisle, 
and just start doing like How little old was dance. she? Like 10 years old. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, like I said, fan of another team. But I just – I was talking to some people upstairs because I like to give a puck to a kid every single game. Um, it's just something that I – I want a puck. I can get you Show a puck. Show up and you get me one? Yeah. Well, I'll give it to Zoe and then you can take it from her. What if I want to bring her? <laughs> then I'll give it to you because you are a child. Uh, but I give a puck to a kid every single game. And I saw her, and I was talking to people upstairs, and I said, do you see that little girl down there? I said, she's wearing St. Cloud State gear, uh, but I think I'm going to give my puck to her. And they're, and they're like, oh, okay, like kind of like confused at first. And I'm like, because people don't understand the courage and the strength it takes to actually do that at a big arena in front of all these people and just not have a care in the world because she's having fun. She's doing her. And I love that. Yeah, I'm as I'm on this whole life is too short thing, especially after spending time with my mom. You know, and and Severe tweeted out that the the famous TikTok of the parenting advice from the mom when she was like, "Let her wear the dress." Did it? Did you ever watch that? I'll Let send her it to you. But wear the dress. The no. thing, the moral of the story is, hey, let your kids kind of experience joy being kids, like. Because you never know when the, it's going to be your last day. She unexpectedly lost her sister. So anyway, it's kind of a woo moment. And then the other thing was, I always go back to the the worst, best episode of This Is Us, where Randall lost his dad to cancer. And I, I'm weird. Like, I've watched this probably 30 times. I just watched it two weeks ago at 2.30 in the morning on YouTube. I just wanted to see that sequence one more time because I'm a glutton for punishment. But anyway... His dad says to Randall, he said, grow your hair out, roll the window down, play your music loud. Like, as if to, because Randall's pretty uptight. Um, And I just got to, I'm just kind of on that whole misery is an option thing, man. Like, just keep it moving. I had a great talk yesterday afternoon with um, a good buddy of mine who, you, you know, DJ Rezac? Mm-hmm. Anyway, great love yourself kind of talk. is probably 35 minutes. It was supposed to only be five. But anyway, his kiddo's got another offer. But so I'm in this like em, kind of embrace the moment kind of thing, which leads me back to the sports weekend where you had so many things come down to the wire. And, um, you know, the McCaffrey stare. I'm just th- there were just so many things in sports that happened this week. Uh, Dylan Rayola just soaking in the moment. Some people roll their eyes. They're like, oh, my God, you know, the red carpet, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what, man? Like, relax. Just relax. And I don't know, Let man. people have their fun. This sports weekend was, I don't know. It, it just seemed like it was one of those weekends where world and sports collide again, which I always try to make it do in talk radio. I'm a big as you know, right? This snuck up on you. Real life sports thing. Real life mm-hmm. sports. Where's the intersection? It's kind of a good way to come full nine, circle. Nine, with 90th this and whole Dodge. The conversation we just had is bringing your everyday life to sports. It's just, you know, I was listening to Max post game after um, the Villanova game. And, you know, at some point, you just have to tip your cap. Right? Job well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, now you can't go 16 minutes of 
18, 19 minutes of game time and not make a three, right? But, but, <laughs> dude, Dixon came. He, to, he came to play. He right? balled. It, it's just you know Minnesota. How nervous were you playing that seven and a half for Nebraska? I know you were. Don't worry, they had your back. Exactly. We'll get into college basketball talk next, and we'll set up the show, too. Stick with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Cooking Show here on 590 ESPN Radio because we like to cook up not only our general thoughts, but sports topics as well. And that's how it kind of started. It was more of the, hey, you know, weekend things. What'd you do? Where'd you go? Little behind 57. Into what you guys are trying to accomplish. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like we came full circle and landed the plane well from that you know, initial talk of Waffle Crisp and Hostess to uh, inside DB's mom's kitchen. I just think it's wild. It 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 just reminds me of like a of a grocery store. I mean, that's what my that's what the kids think it is. Oh, grandma's place is, is yeah. the place to get the good stuff. Yeah, well, I feel like all grandma's places are like that, though. Need paper towels? She's got two thousand. You need foil? She has sixty. You need toilet paper. She has two hundred twenty-six. Mm-hmm. My grandma rolls. has a ton just like of things in her basement. <laughs> ton of things. I'm like, how many spoons do you need? Um, but you know why she has all that stuff? Well, for one, you know, low key, you could you could think that she's a little bit of a hoarder when it comes to certain like tangible items. But it's a great so-called free yard sale for all of the grandchildren as, as, to come over and be like, hey, I need a toaster. Grandma's got four. It all started because my kiddo played at on Creighton's campus at the fitness center, which puts me right next to Pettit's. My mom has an affinity for apple fritters. So I called and I said, hey, do you want me to run you any donuts out? Like I'm right here. I always say by the good one. The, the original downtown location. I probably shouldn't say that. Sorry, but it's. Um, and she likes apple fritters, so I ran her out some donuts. And then, hour and forty five minutes later, just chilling. <laughs> now I'm counting stuff in her kitchen. But anyway, man, this sums. I wanted to watch because usually there's a there's a good eleven o'clock game on and. Yesterday, I wasn't really vibing early with what was going on in college basketball. It didn't get good until late. And by the way, I'm pretty disappointed in Northwestern and Maryland, too, by the way. Because I need Northwestern to win some meaningful games on the road. Now, I don't really need, but it would be nice. Because I kind of worry about the Big Ten in postseason play. 
But by the way, did you set your alarm for Dylan Rayola's announcement? I did not. Why? I know a few people that did. Why? Why didn't you set it? Because I knew what was going to happen. I knew what was going to come. There was no way that he was announcing where he's going. But have you that? Hey, account. listen. Have you seen all the crystal balls? Though? I have seen the crystal balls. Are, I, I have seen are you, are you similar posts before. Are you a believer? In Dylan Rayola coming? Yeah. Uh, I told you for the longest time that I wasn't. But I, I'll tell you what. This is what I thought about when... Husker Nation was chanting his name at PBA over the weekend. I thought one of like four things here. The first that I thought about was, gosh, if I'm in Dylan Rayola's head, this state loves themselves some Huskers. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's just done. Then, you? No, 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 no. And from the stance of hey, even when the program is not very good, not very good, they just sold out. A crowd against the worst team in the Big Ten. Okay? And then, you know, it's like, okay, what, what a turnaround this basketball program yeah. is undergoing. And then it's like, man, if these fans are excited about four straight in basketball, just think of what I could accomplish on the football field in front of 90,000 people. And, like, mm, how crazy would it be? Multiplying 15,000 inside PBA. Times six. Them inside of... Memorial Stadium, like, oh, I could see myself there. You know, him just being around Mm -hmm. Nebraska almost makes me think that because things are on a high right now, it's a little bit contagious when it comes to the energy he's picking up on. So I will sway my viewpoint from an initial thought. The recency bias. Of me saying, hey, he'd rather go to a contender, which I still think is a good possibility. Don't buy in totally. But I also don't think he's completely playing Husker Nation by showing up to things like this just to come to Nebraska to see his uncle. Yeah. Well, here's so here's the thing, though. Why do you think he didn't originally tell people he was coming, though? I don't think he... he what if he just really wanted to come see his uncle and take in uh, the atmosphere? And I, I don't doubt that one bit, but, you know... Because wouldn't it, you have said... And there was all this consternation back and forth. I don't want to get into that because the whole recruiting angle of breaking news drives me crazy. But I have to learn to play both sides. I have to understand people have a job to do, and I, and I have to respect that. Well, I need to respect it. I don't have to. I need to respect that. But at the end of the day, I always pit it against the practicality of going through this, having seen it, I look at these rankings, and I know <laughs> I have thoughts, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. But so I didn't want to get into all the, the back and forth of who should have reported what and who didn't know what. Because I think it's at some point, man, just knowing a little bit about the family, I think they kind of did just want to fly in and Well, they keep to themselves in a business. lot of cases. Like I, If you look at Dylan's Twitter page, he doesn't, oh, he doesn't say a thing. Not thing, a thing on social media. No. So that's why I'm not overly shocked that nobody knew that he was coming. And I'm also not shocked that they're sitting around bragging about it because they don't have to. Mm-hmm. They don't have to. If, if people discover that he's there, they discover that he's there. If they don't, they don't. Uh, that doesn't bother him one bit. But 
don't leave anything to chance with Husker Nation, they will find you. Well, <laughs> they will see you. I thought it was interesting on – so I woke up, fr- was it Friday morning? To just a, uh, a, a cryptic question was, did I know that Rayola was on a, a flight last night? I was like, what? Weird. Like, you're on a plane coming to Nebraska – Somebody on that flight is going to recognize you, <laughs> right? So you're only going to be able to do that for so long. I just think uh, the intent wasn't to say, "Hey, here, I'm, I'm, I'm coming." You know, I think he just wanted to come in, kind of soak it up. Now you're not going to be able to go to a basketball game, and and at PBA as the number one ranked player in the country, and, and slide, slide in the radar, and, and slide in and slide out. But at that point. I mean, the cat had been out of the bag for 24 hours. You know, so you soak it up and you take it for what it's worth. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't look too much into his visit outside of the fact of his unofficial visit, I should say. Mm. Um, outside of the fact that, you know, you're right. He was probably just taking in some good basketball. He wanted to watch the Huskers in I person. Think, I think you want to – plus, he know, he's heard, right? Like, you want to um, – He's just smart. Like, you want to see the whole environment, right? You want to see – you want to take a walk around campus. You, you want to you see it on a quote-unquote off day, a, non, a non-football weekend, because it has to be something over time that you got to think that, that you could do day in, day out. Because the, the more that I'm around this and it's been – I don't know, almost 30 years of being around it. I just think wherever your feet land has to be someplace you want to be because everything else gets more difficult mm-hmm. than actually just physically being in a, in a certain spot. You got to be in a good headspace. You got to be, you got to feel some comfort. You got to feel some safety. College is hard, uh, especially when you play it at that, when you're going to play it at that high of a level. Um, it's extremely it's extremely difficult. I'll tell you what, too. You talk about a kid that just shows up on campus just to see it for him. The more times he makes his way to Nebraska, the more times he's going to want to stay in this location. Yeah, and I, and, going, I, and I it's think going it's going to make him feel like he belongs here more and more. He's going to end with that want to want to come back more and more and more. That's just kind of how you condition yourself when you show up to a place and you – Keep showing up to that one place. Keep showing up. Is that my T-shirt today? No. I have a keep showing up T-shirt. That's funny why you say that. I ordered it online. Keep $40? Showing up, keep showing up. No, it was only 20 Ooh, half off. Yeah. Jenna Fisher, I started these T-shirts. She covers basketball in the digital market, and she has this line. Her mom had taken her life some years ago, and so she kind of branded this keep showing up. Keep showing up, keep showing up. And I was like, I need that. But anyway, another side note of maximizing in the day. I'll try not to keep coming back to that, but I might because it's what's on my heart. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. That's what he's going home with. We'll talk about that when we come back to keep showing up. Did we set the lineup yet? Not yet. Goodness gracious. That's what we do. Man. We're all over the place. But we're happy to have you with us, and we hope that you stay with us.
Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Follow makes it. Two-point lead. Three seconds left. No timeouts. Neal inbounds. Desmond Cambridge. Oh! He got it! He won it! Arizona State has done it! Quinterly now down the lane. Quinterly now back out. Miller catch and shoot three. In the lead. Came up. Cleveland for the win! It's good! Matthew Cleveland stuns Miami! What a weekend it was in college basketball. We are talking to C.L. Brown right now. We'll get into conversation with Sam McEwen right around 8 o'clock at 8.30. We will get back into maybe a little bit of baseball over the weekend, and then we'll get back to Nebraska football and recruiting toward the back end of the show. But uh, as we welcome in C.L. Brown now to the show, he's the UNC beat writer for the News and Observer. C.L., good morning. Hey, good morning, man. Welcome back. You are in the middle of travel, huh? I can I can hear the airport. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, going through Atlanta, so uh, I'm gonna get to a quiet place in one second. Hey, how about this, CEO? What better typifies the ACC than what happened this past weekend with? Carolina over Virginia. Florida State goes to Coral Gables and gets Miami. I, like, is there anything more ACC than the topsy turviness of of what happened this weekend? You just never know. Uh, yeah, it, and what's funny is I, I've heard a lot of spin from the coaches to talk about the competitiveness of the conference, but that still doesn't make it good. You know, <laughs> like there's there's a lot of uh, pretty average basketball teams in the league this year it's, it's another down league um as far as the talent as well which it just kind of lends to, to games like we had this weekend where where you know you never know what's going to happen not too long ago two blue bloods kentucky and unc were both at serious risk for missing the ncaa tournament kentucky has lately sweetened their path by compiling wins but unc only has Virginia to talk about. How much work do the Tar Heels need to do, in your opinion, to find a way into the 68? Well, I think first they can't lose tonight. Um, you know, Florida State would be a horrible loss on their resume, and right now they don't have any bad losses. Um, all of their losses are in the top two quads in the uh, in the net rankings. Um, and then I think they got to get Duke at home, you know, um, just to feel with a little bit more comfortable going into the ACC tournament. Um, but I imagine they would probably end up having some work to do once the uh, ACC tournament comes around, too. Like, they, they, they definitely couldn't afford a first-round loss, and they're going to be playing on Wednesday because they're you know, not going to finish high enough to earn a double buy in the tournament. So I would say if they get to the semifinals of the ACC tournament, they're in for sure. But um, they, they, at the very least, they cannot afford any bad losses, you know, uh, en route to Selection Sunday. See, how do you explain Miami? I, I like Wong and company. They can score. They do. Carolina, I, remember, I'm the unabashed diehard Tar Heels fan here. I <laughs> yeah. watch the ACC up and down. How do you explain their inconsistency? Because when they're going – 
They remind me a little bit of a team like Illinois, who everybody seems to love in the Big Ten, when they say, well, if they're hitting on all cylinders, then, and then they fill in the blank. I kind of feel like Miami is like that. Yeah, I, I think Miami's been a little bit more consistent than that. Um, I would I would point to the reason why they lost, you know, this Florida State game was because, you know, they won the first meeting in Tallahassee by 23 20. points or yeah. something. And, yeah, and so then they're up 25 in this game, and they thought they could just put it on cruise control, especially given, you know, what kind of year it's been for Florida State this year. And, um, and it just, you know, they Florida State just snuck up on them. But I – I really like Miami, uh, like you say, too. And I, I think for my money right now, I think they're the best team in the ACC. I know Pitt is in first place right now and everything, but uh, I, I still would give that nod to Miami, especially when the NCAA tournament comes around. I think they could be another, you know, have another Elite Eight run in them. Speak to Pitt. Do you think they're a product of good luck and maybe a little bit of easy schedule while other big juggernauts are kind of on the tailwind? Um, or do you think they're actually as good as they are being the top spot right now in the ACC? Well, I think they're, they're tough. I mean, they, they have yeah. a bunch of experienced guys, a bunch of older guys, 24, 25 even in some cases. And um, they finally, it took them a while. They took some bad losses early too. But once they kind of got into the flow of, of Jeff Capel's system there, um, they, they're a team that I, I wouldn't want to play against either. Um, uh, I think they got away, you know, they only got Virginia at home. They only had Duke once, and that was in Cameron. Uh, but they had Carolina twice. Um, so it, it, it hadn't been just, you know, a total skate schedule. But that's what I hate about these unbalanced schedules in these conferences because you never real – really can tell um, if it's just somebody coming up off of a, a bad schedule or if they're really good. But I, I think Pitt is legit. As a matter of fact, I ranked them for the first time this week, um, this morning. Uh, I'll see, you know, when the actual poll comes out later this afternoon, we'll see if they made the actual poll. But I, I have them in there for the first time. See, I was just having this conversation after one of the high school basketball games with a Dukey fan. And you know, he coaches, he loves the sport, he loves Duke. And I said, I have to admit, man, even as a Carolina guy, that's one team that is trending in the right direction, in my opinion. I think they've won three or four in a row. They're healthy. It seems like they have their rotation under control, man. What do you think Duke's ceiling is, even though they've been so bad in quad one games? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think they are, you know, th now the four games they won, they're, they've been against teams they should be. Correct. So I, I don't put a whole lot in that. But I do believe that they are starting to all come together. They are finally healthy. Uh, Dariq Whitehead um, is, is shooting, you know, he's shooting at a high clip from three now. And that's kind of what they didn't have earlier in the season, a consistent, Agreed. you know, a consistent outside shooter. And, I like Jeremy Roach, what he's doing. He brings that stability. Obviously, March is all about guard play. And, you know, to have an experienced point guard like him, um, you know, they, they could do big things. I still want to see what happens in the regular season finale when, when they have to come to Chapel Hill. Uh, they won the first meeting, obviously, with Carolina, but that game was tied, you know, with 357 left. Um, 
and and you know Carolina just didn't make any plays in that or didn't make any shots for that matter and uh, to close out the game but I I want to see what happens that game for me to be a, a true believer in what Duke is doing but but right now they are definitely trending in the right direction. C.L. Brown, UNC beat writer for the News and Observer on the phone with us now at C.L. Brown Hoops on Twitter. C.L., Saturday felt like a day where you could tweet out this is February instead of this is March. A lot of upsets, a lot of buzzer beaters. Uh, What did you take away most from this past weekend? Was it the Fran McCaffrey stare down? Was it the extracurriculars after (laughs) Xavier and Seton Hall? Fran is wild and out. (laughs) Hey, I don't don't understand, C.L. Like, why does he get a pass? You're right. He shouldn't. At this point, you know, in 2023, his, his tirades and, and outbursts, you know, I, I, I just don't think there's, there's a place for that anymore. Because, um, we're, I mean, it's basketball, man. We're, we're having fun. People make a living off of this game. And I, I just think he needs to, uh, the school needs to, to tighten its rein or something. I don't know. But, my take out of the weekend, I think, was I think Purdue, which has been number one longer than any other team this season, um, I think they peaked too early, and Agreed. they've lost. I think it's four out of four out of their last six. I think it is, including getting swept by Indiana. Um, I don't think they're going to have a long run come come tournament time, uh, and especially because they have a young backcourt. So I, I I think there's a red flag there with Purdue. Um, and uh, trying to think of the other big game from this weekend. I like what Baylor is doing. Arizona State, you know, maybe. I, I know they – yeah, yeah. Arizona State probably played their way into the tournament with that, that last second win at, at Arizona. Um, and Arizona has had some troubling losses too. Mine kind of, you know, mind-boggling loss to Washington State at home. You know, that loss to Arizona State was at home. Um, but – uh yeah, I, I think um, I think Baylor is, is one of the teams I'm probably going to put a lot of chips on come, come tournament time. I think they're also headed in the right direction. See, I'm going to get you out of here on this. And I joked a couple weeks ago, you know, because I've been on kind of the Northwestern hype train in basketball. And I said, but I'm a Carolina fan. And I said, is there any coincidence Pete Nance leaves, Northwestern wins, <laughs> Pete Nance gets to Chapel Hill, the shot selection still drives me crazy and I know Caleb Love is the popular whipping boy he drives me crazy too but how critical is it for a guy like Nance when he's making shots and engaged it just seems like that team plays different it changes the whole complexion because right now they haven't had a consistent outside shooter Uh, we saw what he did you know Saturday against Virginia it opens up everything inside either for Armando to get post touches or for the guards to drive and and you can't uh, you can't sag inside like that game against Miami in the first half Carolina was getting to the rim but they they weren't making any outside shots so when Miami switched up their defense and basically dared them to shoot outside and Carolina couldn't hit anything you know they they walk out of Chapel Hill with an easy win so if Nats can stay engaged like that offensively I, I think Carolina you know, they have some upside still. We know they have talent and experience, so it might not be an easy out come, come NCAA time. Mm. C.L. Brown, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, and safe travels. All right, appreciate you. Always Th- a pleasure. Thanks, C.L.
good conversation about college hoops. Maybe some help for you when you're filling out your brackets here in a couple of weeks. We're talking Sam McEwen next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna throw the ball. And you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go. You know, that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. And as we do on every Monday morning, we talk to Sam McEwen, sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra. Sam, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. good. I, I need the weather report. How are we doing? Are we, cl- <laughs> are we clearing up in the... Uh, capital city or what's going on the sun's starting to break through a little here in omaha the sun has completely broken through in lincoln it's a beautiful morning it's always a good start school drop off went okay it did for once (laughs) i'm sure this weekend too uh helps make today such a beautiful morning in the state of nebraska because it seemed like the huskers on all fronts had something positive going for them this weekend it did yeah, they did. They had a good one. Um, Nebraska, well, both the basketball teams won as expected. But, you know, you can't. With Nebraska basketball, you you, you don't always know if you're going to get what you expect. So uh, that was good. And then Dylan Rayla hit town um, over the weekend, went to a basketball game. Uh, obviously, that's a positive development for Husker football. And then the volleyball announcement on Friday, which is, uh, which is a cool thing. And will be that'll be it'll be an interesting experience. I they'll set the record. I think the logistics will be interesting for that whole thing and they'll probably be glad they do it once, but they will get the record and 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 it'll it'll be it'll be done. Sam, let me just stay right there just for a quick second. Uh why do you think the timing was now for Nebraska women's volleyball to make that announcement? Well, I think I think it had. I mean, there's some there's some logistical things that I think need to get need to get ironed out. But they, you know, I think they wanted to put it on the calendar. I think they're still working on the concert. You, you can't call a guy up, you know, three weeks before a concert and hey, hey, you want to come play a concert? So I think there's some some things to work through there. Although I have a pretty good idea of who it'll be. Um, I think it's I think it's to get out in front of. Of, of a lot of different things. And you got recruiting season coming up. Creighton Volleyball got a commit last night. Um, but this is this is it. I mean, this is recruiting season. This is, um, you know, you're going to start seeing commits probably more in May and June and July is when a lot of them make their final decisions. But, you know, you're going to have, um, you know, the, the top players in the country making decisions. And you better believe that Wisconsin sells that they're the best team in the Big Ten. And they are the best team in the Big Ten right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't sugarcoat that. They beat Nebraska ten times in a row. Um, so there's no, there's nothing to say about that. It's reality. But uh, Nebraska volleyball is, is a cultural icon in ways that Wisconsin not, is not yet. And I think this, is, this conversation is part of that. Um, you know, there was a Wisconsin coach had had pretty actually pretty robust response. Um, certainly, it it had yeah, its wheels turning a little bit. Uh, 
it was it was uh, he had a lot to say about it, and so obviously there's a there's a rivalry here now. It's 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 an interesting rivalry. I don't think it. I it's more. I don't think it's like a hot war, so to speak. And I'm not trying to diminish what's going on around the world, but I'm, it's not hot blooded the way that Nebraska Iowa football clearly is now. But it's more of a you know um, the top two programs in the Big Ten and two of the top four or five in the country. You know, kind of looking at each other from from across the way and and uh, kind of marking each other. So, you know, Wisconsin will not have any part of this record after uh, August thirtieth. Uh, they won't have the they won't have the postseason. They won't have the regular season, and they probably will never get it again. Because rest assured, they're not going to get fifty thousand people at Camp Randall to watch a volleyball match. Hey, Sam, as you very well probably remember, early on when Nebraska was kind of courting coach frost and there was that stretch and you know i had the a couple of segments where i talked openly about it being an extremely difficult decision right i I talked about you know things that he has to consider going from orlando to lincoln and golfing versus not golfing and a new wife and the fishbowl and you know, I remember the initial pushback. It was, oh, man, he's kind of a hater. He's jealous. And I'd say, ah, you know, actually I've talked to him. I kind of know the concerns, right? Then mm-hmm. it comes out a couple years later, hey, you know, or not a year later, you know, the 11th and a half hour, there was some deciding he had to do like, ooh, am I really going to make this this leap? And on the heels of that, I asked this question. Do you think – that the Rayolas understand, kind of comprehend what comes with the potential of coming to Lincoln, kind of giving that savior brand a legacy, being the number one ranked player in the class coming back home potentially. Do you think that could that is an issue for this family? That's a great question. Um Let's just take it from because, like, I think each person has specific personalities, and so I don't want to impose on that family. And they're th- understood. The, the, understood. The, the self doubt that Scott Frost, I think, battles. Best way to put it. Um, I don't want to impose that on them because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's fair. Right? Like, I yeah. think that's hard to measure. But, but, really, really interesting question. Um. I think one of the things about Dylan that's interesting is that he may be the number one player in the country, but a kind of like Pat Mahomes, although Pat wasn't, you know, a five-star quarterback, his dad is a professional athlete and will probably have a little bit of Ben there does that Mm -hmm. to him, right? Like it's not going to be, they're not going to get stars in their eyes. And I think, you know, of, and this isn't true of, of you, but you, I'm sure you've seen in-state recruits who their parents, they weren't athletes. They, they got stars in their eyes a little bit yep. when this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen with them. That's a fantastic um, point, too, by the way. You know, Don, Donovan, I don't, Donovan's a hard person to read you know, in a press conference, <laughs> but he doesn't strike me as somebody who would ever, uh, ever, you know, kiss his nephew's rear end for nine seconds if he didn't think he should. So, I mean, I, I, I have an odd respect for, I don't really know Donovan Rayola, but I have a respect for him. Like, I don't think he, I think he would, uh, you know, he, he'd keep his 
his nephew very accountable, and I think his dad would too. I, I do think there is a the one of the things that you know he has to weigh weigh out and consider is okay. You know, you want to play in the NFL if that's the ultimate goal. Very quickly, you're going to have to make honest assessments about do I get to the first round, you know, playing at Nebraska, and what would, how does that correlate? Mm-hmm. And Matt Rule's going to have, I'm sure, a terrific plan for him. And he's going to be able to say, hey, look, I took these other two guys and got them in the NFL, and they weren't playing on, they weren't going to play on the kind of stage you'll play on. But you know, if you look at the if you look at the kids that have that have come out of the Big Ten and are on our first round draft picks, um, there haven't been that many. Most of them have been at Ohio State, where Dylan Rayla doesn't want to go because he decommitted from there. Um, and most of them are and the reason those quarterbacks at Ohio State went in the first round was because of the receivers around. Uh, you know, Justin. Uh, who I've, I've gotten to know as a player quite well uh, is not uh, he was he greatly benefited from maybe the greatest receiving core in college football history you know he, he greatly benefited from having Olave and Wilson and Jamison Williams and I mean you know unbelievable players um, and so you know I think that's something that Rayla has to consider you know, like if, if the NFL is the ultimate goal, then and you want to be a first round pick, can you know, can you go eight and four, nine and three, nine and three, you know, ten and ten and ten and two and do all the things that you want to do? Justin Herbert was able to do that at Oregon, but I think that's part of the assessment. Because if he goes to USC, it really and I'm not trying to say, you know, he's going to go there and he would be really, really successful and and he's going to be a first pick. He's going to be a first pick because Lincoln Riley will get him. There. That's just how it goes. If I, if I, I'm very familiar with Baker Mayfield too because my wife's a Browns fan. There's things Baker Mayfield didn't learn in college, mm. and and either Lincoln Riley didn't teach him or whatever. But he was still the first pick in the NFL draft, and Kyler Murray was still the first pick in the NFL draft, and Caleb Williams, who's better than both of them, will be the first pick in the NFL draft. And so I think that's the that's the dividing line. If he if Dylan goes to L.A. You know he's not gonna. He doesn't have to worry about being the the spotlight there. LeBron James will take care of that for him. But um, but in Lincoln he would be, and you've got to be able to accept that. And then you also have to assess, you know, the NFL thing. But as far as a college experience, he would have an extraordinary college experience at Nebraska. I think they would be a better football team because he's here, um, and I think he would attract good players around him. Uh, and I think they would win games. Now, I, would they win 12 games? I don't know. That's that's a hard dividing line to figure out. I don't know if they'd win 12. You know, they, but I think they'd win nine. And 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 you got to feel comfortable that you know the NFL is going to acknowledge that winning nine is is worthy of being the first pick in the draft. He obviously enjoyed the attention when he was at PBA. Crowd chanting his name stands up, gives them a little bit. Uh, of some good love there, throwing the bones. Um, but as he's taking in that game, you know, I, I prompted this this morning. What do you think he was thinking about most as he sat in that chair watching a state that loves themselves some Huskers? Was it, hey, this the turnaround of this basketball program is undergoing and the support that they are still no. getting at their stage? <laughs> yeah. Was it the, no. hey, man, you know, uh, just think of what I could bring to football if this is what the fan base 
this does for basketball, you know, multiply 15K to uh, by six and get 90K at Memorial Stadium. Like, what do you honestly think he was thinking about in that chair? Because we were talking and we're like, man, he just keeps showing up. You keep showing up, you keep showing up, and at some point you're going to keep back, keep coming back wanting more. And Nebraska's the only school that can do that for him right now. Oh, I probably just thought it was fun. You know, like, I, I think the um, those sort of meta-narratives that you're talking about are probably things that are presented to him by by uh, other people, adults. Uh, but he probably just thought, oh, this is fun. Um, and, and probably had a good time. You know, again, I, I think um, the... I think if it if it were up to you know the family, he he, he would probably commit potentially very soon. I think it's going to be his decision. It's just you know, um, it's it's just a lot. It's probably going to be a lot to to process because again, the if he were to commit to Nebraska, well, the next nine months would be about the most fun he's ever had. I mean, it it's going to be a lot of fun because he'll be helping to get players to Nebraska and he'll be. He'll be the you know the uh, the star player and the star recruit, and he'll be the story, and he won't have to play any football <laughs> in order to to prove it. So you know he'll have a heck of a lot of fun if he if he commits to USC. Well, you know everybody at USC is going to be focusing on the quarterback who's already there, and George will just shrug. Okay, that's fine. Did we get the five star defensive lineman that won us national titles? We did. Good. You know that that's what'll happen. So. Um, that, that's part of the thing he's probably got to work through. Is that Nebraska's the only one that can provide the pre-signing experience that he that he would get. But, um, you know, again, I, I think it probably just comes down to what kind of what kind of experience you want. It's more like a twenty-year decision. You know, maybe it's a four-year decision, but it's really it's really a twenty-year call. Um, and I've already written. I would, you know. This is just me as an as an opinion maker. I wouldn't go to Georgia. I don't. I don't think you have to. Um, and I'm not even sure that that's, you know, the where you'd want to go. Um, but I think USC is awfully, awfully interesting, and and so is Nebraska for different reasons. And I think you know, I think it, it's going to be a challenge to pick between those two, those two options. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting. If Lincoln Riley was still at Oklahoma, I, I would favor Nebraska pretty heavily. But USC is a different deal, and it's LA, and it's it's you know Heisman trophies and first round picks, and so Nebraska's going to have Matt Rule's going to have to going to have to present a plan that says, hey, we can make your individual dreams come true while you bring this team back to glory. Uh, I'm gonna, tr- gosh, I'm gonna try to sneak into. I still want to get to that fantastic piece with Derek Walker, um, you Amy, and the oh. collab. I mean, it's it an amazing read. But let me finish. Let me yeah. ask one more Nebraska football one. There's a few of you guys that I just really trust that I consider like um, kind of psych peers that that understand complicated people. Dirk was in that scope. You're in that scope. So let me ask you this. When you look and listen to Matt Rule, has there been a coach that you remember as a head coach that was as – a quick level thinker on his feet and could discern and size up responses as as smoothly or as quickly as Coach Rule. Not that I've covered, isn't um, it? It's, it's so, so it's not just me, right? Because right? I'm I continue to be blown away by his ability 
as an orator, and it's not just being a good speaker, Sam. It's processing the information that's asked of him in warp speed, and he pits mm-hmm. it against like who he is as a person. Like he, it's it's unbelievable, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a uh, he processes quickly. Um, I think he's got a pretty good sense of of people. You know, I. I, I suspect that Matt's an external processor, and when I say that, uh, what I mean is that he works out problems by talking about them out loud with people that he's close to or people that, you know, are in his sphere, whether it's his family or his fellow coaches. And a lot of times, if you're an external processor, you're, you're processing answers as you're receiving questions, and you become very, you be, it becomes very uh, habitual for you. That's me. To be able to kind of work through what you want to say and be able to filter that through a couple of different lenses pretty quickly. Um, that, that usually comes with somebody who's pretty good with public speaking. Um, you know, it's, and for example, I don't think Scott Frost was an external processor like that. I think it was, it wasn't quite like that. Um, and so I think, you know, rules able to, to, to hold two ideas up and maybe doesn't agree with either one of them fully and kind of assess them both and, and uh, can understand other people. So I think that's a gift. Yeah, that's a talent that he has. Um, you know, I think what will be interesting in this job is I think he's so good on, on, on front ends of things, of like trying to figure out, okay, so here are the issues. Here are the things that I have to address and resolve. Here's how we turn this, this, this around. And unlike the Carolina Panthers, I'll have total authority to do that. Like I won't have to ask anybody and there isn't some person over here that's you know, um, guarding their job like that, like a general manager. So I think he's really good off the front end of, like, assessing issues, fixing that thing, and making it better. The question is going to be, after four or five years at Nebraska, let's say he does turn it around here, does he get bored? Uh, and does he, does, he want to, does he want to see the thing? You know, it's, it's, one, it's one thing to be able to, to turn it, and then it's another to keep it where it is, and then do the battle that you're going to have to do against Ohio State and USC and Michigan for decades to come. That wears that wears people out, you know, that or that can wear people out. And and that'll be the thing that I think will be interesting to watch. But no, he's very very good off the off the front end of being able to process what you're asking. Um, when you know his understanding of what's gone wrong here, and you understand what I'm saying when I say that. His understanding of what's gone wrong here at Nebraska for many years um, is actually pretty good. He's got a pretty good grasp it's, of it. It's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. In my, in, I, I, yeah. I, I, and I that's agree, not I agree what with happened you. the last four years. He, he was able to, in talking to him kind of off the record, like his ability to synthesize the information and understand the 20-year issue is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Like um, I'm glad that somebody downloaded into him some good things because I think <laughs> he understands – the dynamics at, at play here and, and, and does want to try to fix the dynamics at play. And it's larger than Scott. Goodness gracious, it's much larger than Scott. And it's larger than Sean Eichhorst, which are the two people that you'll hear a lot about, you know, even out and about still. And it, it's larger than both of those people. And so I think he understands that. Well, another home run so far for Sam McEwen in this segment. Uh, Sam, let me get you out of here on this because it was a great piece. And, and I like how everything was kind of intertwined with – with Tominaga and his parents coming back and 
Nebraska's weekend, and you even found a way to get in my favorite jazz, Shelly, and the this the totality of the piece. But I want to focus on. Yeah, Amy did a great job. She, yeah, she and she's hilarious too. And per, like uh, anyway, um, twenty five years old man, mature, and his authenticity to say, "Hey, listen, you know what? I stopped caring." I remember being on a plane my first trip to West Lafayette, and I was talking to some folks during the broadcast, and I was like, why, if I'm D. Walker, would I come back for another year if this is how I was going to start my season? I remember saying that out loud. I'm like, why would you come back for that, right, if you're going to act like this? And he addresses (laughs) it. He talks about it, and it's part of Nebraska basketball's DNA for this season. Like, how crucial or undersold even is that – that his maturation and his growth kind of has his fingerprints all over this basketball team. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a lot of why they're successful is that you know Derek freely admits that he's um, you know an emotional person and mm-hmm. and so like his responses to certain situations may vary based on whether things are going favorably or not on the court. Um, and, and Hoiberg knows that, I think. Uh, so, you know, I think, but his awareness of that um, allows, I think, his teammates to appreciate the best parts of him and then embrace the, the parts that can be very difficult. Sometimes he can give a teammate a cold shoulder for a couple minutes. He <laughs> talked about that on a, in a senior day press conference. Like he, and, and Sam Griesel was like, the first time that happened, I was like, okay, you know, and like, it's, it's, it's different. Um, but then, you know, Derek also has a, a very uh, warm, giving and sort of, uh, you know, deeply um, generous uh, emotional side, too. And that's usual, and that's uncommon with people who are emotional. They're generous, and, and then they can also use those emotions to take things away. And so, you know, uh, I, yeah, Amy did a great job. So Amy's a really, really good interviewer. Um, she has the same talent that Dirk has to be able to get out of people what they probably didn't expect to be giving, when they go into the interview and that's part of her talent and her gift um, is that she's able to kind of get, you know, get people to talk and go places that they hadn't expected to go. And I think when Derek Walker walked into that interview, I don't know that he anticipated talking about all those things, but you know, after an hour of, of talking to Amy at PBA, that's what comes out of it. And I think it was a really good story. Uh, and yeah, she's, that's part of why she is who she is. She's good at what she does. And it was a good story. And it, you always got to thank the subject, Derek, for, for being open and transparent, but it's the relationship that the reporter is able to strike in a very short amount of time that makes uh, makes the piece what it is. She, no can, she can be disarming and straightforward at the same time. Like, even like yeah. when we're talking in like the press box, I was like, ooh. I was like, oh, that was kind of cool that she at least asked like that. Like, I can respect that. You know what? She just had, she has, yeah. she has some gifts. Oh, yeah. she, she has, she has oh, yeah. some gifts. She's very talented. Hey, talk to her. Have her on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We will. And I guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah. Consider that one done for sure. Right. We, we let our guests tell us who to, who to book next. It's happened once, twice, maybe three times well. now. So, Sam, we appreciate you. He, he can talk about that story way better than I can. But I can. <laughs> I mean, I I thought it was a great one. Yeah. Pre- appreciate it, Sam. Sam, thanks so much. Uh, we'll talk again next week. Take care. Bye. Sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra. That's Sam McEwen, S.W. McEwen, O.W.H. on Twitter. It's like that you were laughing at me out loud during that interview.
you make fun of me for processing out loud all the time. And, no, never. And once. I was never and once. And you're I like, ever made you're fun like, of I, you. you're like, I love how you're just like processing the situation. You're like walking through it in your head out loud. That's not making fun of you. That's, that's just being that's observant. To- that's totally how. Like I'm a total external. Your processor. question about Dylan Rayola and coming up with the expectation. We got to get to that. Best questions that you've ever asked. We got to get to that. Well, we can, but we should talk basketball first. That's next. <laughs> Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved, it's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers, and we are live from the H H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Catch us wherever you are right now, whether that's on the radio, 590 ESPN Omaha. We are live on Twitter. Live on YouTube if you want to catch us in the flesh like we're talking to you. We have our cameras live, DB, even though we had some maybe a little rough rough start to the show with your camera. You well, guys I didn't, figured I, it out. Your I didn't want the FaceTime camera. I get I, it. I wanted the... I get it. You don't want the chin, the chin camera? Is, is it Logitech or Logitech? Logitech? Is it Logitech? Your guess is as good as mine. It's Logitech. Thank you. I wanted the Logitech camera. Not the FaceTime camera. And it wouldn't register. And I get it. I get it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to shut the whole dang thing down and start over. Which means you had to deal without my ugly mug for a good six minutes. Well, it's probably it. the best six minutes of your life, isn't it? I know. No, it's no. Fine. I, can't, I can't get away from it. <laughs> hey, speaking of starting over and, and starting fresh, <laughs> may, maybe resetting. Uh, I used to like you. That was that's, cool. That's what Nebraska did halfway through this season. And on the back end of that interview uh, with Sam, you kind of talked about that with Derek Walker and returning and answering his own question or your question of why did you return and it's for moments like this and where they're at in the season overcoming adversity and and being a team that is competing right now for the NIT and in you know a small majority of people's minds maybe it's gotten a little bit bigger Kevin Suits an NCAA tournament bid if they can show some life in the Big Ten Conference tournament. I want to read you this little blurb from that piece. Amy's, yeah, Amy's piece. Just think about this for a second, okay? Says Derek Walker is in a class all his own. He's at the age of 25, the last man standing from Fred Hoiberg's first season in 2019. He's also the only one left from 2020. Quote, I've seen a lot of change. I've had a new team, Walker said. I've had new teammates every year. We have a completely new staff. We have a whole new AD. Football coaches are new. I've seen a lot. Been through a lot of uh, been through a lot of it myself. On top of all the changes, people don't think about that. Me, Luca, and Fred are the only ones that have been here since he got the job. That's three people. In four years. Hoiberg added. It seems like 30 years ago when Derek got here. It's crazy to think back. Just everything that we've been through. Just the three of us. I'm like, how uncomfortable would you be 
if you were presented with that scenario. Over those critical formative years, maturing into an adult from 19 to 25, with that kind of, those many variables, that many variables. It'd be easier to leave. Right? It'd be easier just to say, man, is this really worth the time, the stress, the energy? It'd be easier to go. Do you know how many days in between his last game at Tennessee in 2019 and his first game played at Nebraska? Mm -mm. 658. Wow. 658. What could you endure for two years? This has just so when she's giving this numbers and perspective, then I watch him play. I'm like, wow, good on you, good on you. Staying with the course. I just don't know, like, <laughs> and I get it, man. Okay, DB hindsight is twenty twenty. I guarantee you that is something I could not have done. Well, because there's not always greener pasture. Man, I struggled in three months, 90 days from the time I got to campus to where it seemed like I wasn't going to get to play baseball to where I thought, like, why are we lockering in this concrete room with one singular urinal and no doors on the bathroom stall? This is not what I signed up for. 90 days in. Hey, Dad, you know what? I just, I don't think this is for me, man. I'm I'm ready to go. Oh, is that right? That's cool. You can quit. Just can't come home. Hmm. Think I'll stay. Hey, I think I'm going to stand next to a bunch of people and pee. 600 and, f- you know, I, you kind of laugh. I never, I'd never, I, I have never. I had never, ever, ever, is defecated the word, in front of anyone. There were no doors on the stall. Like you, so we joke about that now, especially the former guys. Right? We joke. We laugh. But that was some of the vulnerability. Sounds weird. In terms of crossing over into camaraderie. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. In this weird, emotional kind of way. It was things like that. Now, it wasn't by design. I just think it was an old facility over there. But ask guys about that. No doors. No, no bathroom doors. One, one singular urinal. Concrete floors. Like, it builds mm-hmm. or reveals, I should right. say, character. He, D-Walk went 658 days without being able to play a meaningful college basketball game when he's in a new city to play college basketball. I, I just, I, I admire it, man. Like, I just admire and And he was so honest. He's like, you know what? I just, I stopped caring. These, this, these depressive bouts I was going through, I just simply stopped caring. And then to see him come out of the back end, I'm like, go D-Walk. Go Nebraska. I mean, we've been saying that, but it's no coincidence. He's got some high, some high love, high resolve guys. Greasel, uh, Tominaga, Dewalk. Now there happens to be their three best players, but they've all got their own personal journey to tell on why they are what they are. And they're not even they, close they all, to the same, right? They all got that resolve story. I just, 
you just don't want to have to go through it yeah. of that, not, that seasoning. Let's be real. That story doesn't work all too much. Oh, man. When you get the guy that, you know, took his own course and then landed here and you get another guy that took his own course, if they're, if they're not relatable, it doesn't work a lot. I remember covering games at Briarcliff over in Sioux City, and the coach would always grab the guy that was either, you know, he had a run-in with the law and now he's, he's back here because he went from D1 to this school. I know another guy that was like, hey, I didn't get to play at all at and this university. University, so I'm going to come over here because I, I know I can play here. It didn't work. It didn't mesh the people that he brought there. Now it's more guys you're dealing with, but still it didn't work. Mm-hmm. It is rare that you take three guys with different stories, bring them to one location, and they are able to put something together. It's very rare to do that. I just think res- res- if there's a number one ingredient, I, I just think either perseverance or resolve, and it, if you want to play semantics police and differentiate between the two, that's probably my first ingredient that I'm starting with in the lab. I, there just is. I mean, there's there's such a fine line in terms of talent level. These are older guys uh, in Nebraska's past history, but there's such a fine line between, you know, Brian Knuckles, D'Angelo Evans, and, and Amon Green in terms of physical traits. Everybody's got a certain physical baseline. It, it's it's the resolve. It's it's staying powers. I mean, haven't you worked with like lots of talented people? You think, and you're like, man, they seem to have it all, except for when you put when you just put pedal to the metal, and you got to kind of go. It's like, oh, where'd you go? You know, it, it's just I'm always going to take the resolve. That's why I'm a huge fan of of like Anthony of of Rizak. Because he's a grinder and he's a winner. And ultimately, those two things are going to be the number one thing to give you an opportunity to be successful. I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. It's seldom just talent alone. So, and, and I was reading this article and I was like, number one, I've gotten a chance to know Amy over the last, I don't know, year and some change. And, and there's sometimes, like, she'll joke with me or she'll say something. And it, and it, it doesn't, it's not un- uncomfortable isn't the word, but it's like, oh, man, she just went there. And, you know, she's very, very quick on, on her feet, is, has that kind of sense of humor. But it's in this weird sort of way, it's disarming. So to get this information, and I, and I would say this to people like Jessica Cootie, it's like sometimes I think those people take their talents to get people to say things during interviews for granted. But it's, it's something to it. When you're having sit-downs one-on-one with people, a lot of times, man, you got to give credit to get the people that get people to go there. <laughs> sure do. Because not everybody does it. You know what I mean? I, I, I thought it was fantastic. It was an amazing piece. And it's, and it's a good thought. It's like a good thing. It's a, it's a crazy thing to think about whenever you assess this group. 658 days. Assess that man, to well, be completely honest. It's all about will at the end of the day. If you have the will to be there, you have Just hang you can, in there. You can push towards success. Let's change gears. We'll talk baseball next. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Dramatic intro for some dramatic events baseball over the weekend for the Huskers for the team here in Omaha at UNO and the Creighton Blue Jays 
all three back on the diamond. But before we get into that conversation, let me take a drink of the official coffee of coffee and cream. Coffee from the beanery. Mmm. Very tasty. I went to the beanery again on Sunday after church, as I do every weekend, and... I got a brown sugar cinnamon latte this time around. And whoa, 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 whoa. Pretty good. Pretty oh, dang tasty awful, because awful. you know you know me, Mr. Brown Sugar Cinnamon. I'm like when I go it's get a bagel baby. at one of my favorite spots, it's got to be Cinnamon Crunch. I got a cinnamon muffin from the beanery as well. I was, I, you and Zoe, she's a plain crepe bagel, cinnamon. cream cheese, the cinnamon toast crunch. Mm. It has a... Mm. What do you call the? Sh- it comes out, you you know, you shake it, it, it to butter the bagel. Yeah, like it's the sugar. Yeah, it comes in like a salt shaker yeah. type thing. You can like buy the cinnamon yeah, toast. I have that. Literally. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you a picture later. You, you and my <laughs> you and my four year old. Yep. I make yeah. it, I make cinnamon bread with it. Stop. I swear to God. Stop. Wait, God is my witness. <laughs> Mix in some protein, man. <laughs> protein? Yeah. I don't know. It's just not breakfast if you don't have some well, I don't, sort of I don't, protein. For one, I don't eat breakfast. Too early for me in the morning. Yeah. I get up at 5, and I'm like, I'll finish up my notes. And then by the time it's 6.15, I'm like, not really feeling a banana right now. This morning was standard. Turmeric, cayenne, honey, apple cider vinegar, a little warm water. That's it. First weird. Yeah, first two weeks it tore me up. But oh, I, I think know. I'm used I mean, to it. Though. I thought you had the flu. You just you're like, man, I'm sweating. Yeah, that was wild, <laughs> wasn't it? It's weird. I, I would always look at your nose, and I'm like, man, it looks like it's weird. How my like droplets yeah, on a leaf just weird how my when my the sun body comes out adjusted to that. But I, you know, I, I was just reading Jamie's. He tweeted back and. You know, we were talking about, you know, when my dad said, yeah, you know, you can quit. You just can't come home. And, I, and I've kind of, I've told version or bits and pieces of that story before. There's a little more to it. You know, because I remember sitting in that locker room by myself. Everybody, it was probably 6.45. It was almost 7. Everybody had kind of gone. And and uh, I sat there and I just tapped my helmet against the concrete. It was, so I'm sitting with my, my knees. Yep, sure. Just like this. And I'm just tapping my helmet against That is seat. like the... Cutaway scene in every high school football film. I'm just going back and forth. Just, I'm like, man, there's no way. And I and I laughed because we and we talked about it off air. Like, like we just said last week that we could not sit in darkness without a certain amount of money for three days. And even then, even then, we didn't think we could pull it off. Right? Oh, I would not be able to. Can you imagine what that. kind of darkness there was in 658 days of not playing a meaningful mm-hmm. game? Despite having every resource of light, whether it's your phone, whether it's something on your TV, computer, whether it's outside, going for a walk, you have a lot of things to get but he's out not get, some of that stress. You're just not getting to do what you love. But you still don't get to clear your head. Uh, as much as you say, man, I'm kind of clearing my head, you're not clearing your head. It's just that, that team is... And it's funny, too, because I wonder, it's hard to go back, but I wonder like a month ago, remember when fans would tweet at us or we would talk or we would be at the game or something and fans would say, ah, you know, this is the most enjoyable team to watch. And I, and I should have gone back then and said, I wonder what it is. Like, what is it that makes a sub-500 team at that time, 
you're you're the most favorite basketball team to watch. You've had Shields mm-hmm. and Petway, and you know Tim Miles made his run. And I mean, like, what makes this team fun? And I just looked at the three guys that we just talked about with with Greasel, uh, Kase, and 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 Dewalk, and it's like. They all have a story to tell about their perseverance and kind of why that team is or why they're doing what they do. And it's pretty evident, isn't it? Would why you, why they're fun to watch? Because they maximize every time out. You would think that the way this team is playing right now and the way the fan base is reacting as if they are the team upsetting the teams in March, like the better teams in March. The <laughs> I do One think th- I do think it's cool that the fan base gravitated toward this team before right. it was even really bearing fruit. Right, but even a selfie video that surfaced of a guy, you know, oh that was talk- fantastic, talking with Fred, right? <laughs> and it's like that's a moment right there that you would see at the Sweet Sixteen. Hey, and did you see Kurt right? Toyberg finally tweeted back, and he simply said, "My man," <laughs> I did you even see that? So Hoiberg tweeted back to the clip. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see that. And, and it's not like Coach Hoiberg uses – he doesn't Twitter. use Twitter like that. You know? <laughs> but when you're having fun, when things are going right, it's easy to do those things. I just think it's interesting how um, – and coaches know, people in business leadership positions know when they've got a quality group. It, it, it makes it a lot less about the results. When you get the results that you're, you're, you know, you're working to and, you know, with that common vision, it's that much more enjoyable. But I think in enjoying the group that you're around is like 80% of it, right? It's a lot easier to be broke if you like who you're broke with. Did, sorry, did, did Miles do some stuff like that before too? What do you mean? Bit? The same yeah, thing. Yeah, I did. mean, but he, but people thought it was just a shtick for Tim, and I just think that's who he is. I, I just think he's a joke. I just think that's who Coach Miles was. But it's weird how that didn't work out for him in the long haul because we thought his act grew old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, it's just, it, it's. Do you know what I think it is though? In comparing the two, and and I got to ask probably other Nebraska basketball fans this question. I think it's because the fan base didn't feel like they were meeting expectations. So they were tougher, even though it's more natural for Coach Miles to be like that and fun-loving and jovial, kind of a good guy. But I, the fan base, I think, wanted more. With with this one, Coach Hoiberg really isn't that guy. Likeable, but not not super outspoken, fairly reserved. But I feel like this team, the fan base feels like is – exceeding their expectations so they're they're okay with it which is at this point in the season they're exceeding expectations that's why we talked about it with baseball right it's uh hey likable versus unlikable and no coach is gonna say oh you know that team just wasn't very likable but this team seemed like on paper in the offseason it was more like what the staff was after and I asked out loud a couple weeks ago, remember when we had Coach Bolt on, does that change the expectation level for Nebraska's fan base given what this team has on paper? And whatever the answer was is I think how they'll judge this first month out of the gates. Very, very disappointed, you know, hitting 61 batters. It's not really the number, I think 12 or whatever it was, 10, 10. after San Diego wasn't anything that I think anybody wanted to rally around, even though San Diego's – that's a good good program. 
right? You you come back and and you kind of outslug um, South Alabama, and it's like okay, momentarily we're good, but I think for at least another month we'll be pitting it against what our initial expectation levels were. Well, he wanted his team to be more competitive, and he got it, as in Coach Bolt. Starting pitching was there again, but this week the offense came, Mm -hmm. and it came in a big wave. So in game one, you had Shanneman, who tossed two and a third shutout innings in relief and struck out four jags. Kyle Perry threw a scoreless ninth. That's another thing to mention. The bullpen, what the problem was in the opening weekend was – I don't want to say solved, but based on what you saw in week weekend one mm-hmm. to weekend two, the bullpen was solved. It, they found resolve. We can say that at least because there was at no time that South Alabama felt comfortable in coming back in a game because this time situational pitching was there. And they executed what Coach Bolt wanted to coming in to this weekend. And he was hard on these guys because he knows – that they won't fret from being criticized like mm-hmm. they were in, in the opening weekend. I mean, he says I actually those think things. there's something to that. Judah. He says those things because he knows, or, or because these guys, let's just say, he says those things because he knows these guys have the ability to complete the journey. And it's not just a belief, it's just the fact of knowing. Like, these guys know they can do it. Coach Bolton knows they can also do it, which is why it's a high standard in that locker room. You know the cool thing, I think, and I think this works in in business and in sports, even in your household. If it's not the first, if outside those walls aren't the first time somebody's hearing it, I think you can can get away with, with saying a lot more things out loud, right? There are certain things that I'll say and can say through or to the media about either my family or the kids that they're comfortable with because they know that it's not the first time they heard it. And I think in that locker room with that team, that staff, Coach Coach Arvell and, and, and Christy and, and Bolt, I think they talk to those guys a certain way. I think they communicate a certain way. So anything that's said via the media, it's not like the guys, it's not like Shannon's thinking to himself, Man, I can't believe he just said he was disappointed that, you know, our our back end wasn't better. He's probably told us, man, you know, our, I'm pretty disappointed that the back end wasn't better. I'm, I'm pretty sure he told us we got to stop hitting guys, right? Because it sounded harsh post-San Diego. But it, you, you know that wasn't the first time those guys and heard it. you know it. those guys hold themselves accountable. Oh, for sure. That that's part of the, we hate to say it, but it is part of it. That's that's part of that culture word too. Amy, what, Coach Williams had a couple of. I know we got to go to break. She had a couple of great one-liners that I guarantee you I know her team. It wasn't the first time that they've heard it when it comes to meeting expectation levels and how the season has gone via injuries. She said it out loud. I bet you she's told that to her team too. At 9.30, we'll do a cleanup segment. We will continue with Omaha baseball, Creighton, things we didn't get to. But coming up next, we're talking to Brady Oltmans. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Battled around and it is Hoiberg saving the day. Hoiberg with a flip and bounds to Wiltshire, puts it up. Ball hits the head of uh, another save by Hoiberg. And the left-handed layup is good. Sam Hoiberg in an and one. 
Great basketball game in Lincoln on Saturday. Another great event took place as well Saturday how night. How good has he been, by the way? Sam Hoiberg? Yeah. Uh, let's just say he may be the scrappiest player in all of college basketball because that dude wants to involve himself in every play whenever he steps on the floor. And, boy, do, does preaching and teaching active hands do justice when it comes to watching a guy like Sam Hoiberg play basketball. Fell in love with him watching Pius play Bellevue West and and a fairly difficult game a couple of years ago at Bellevue West. And I was like, and I just remembered watching him in his brother's frame. I was like, ah, oh, these guys are yoked. And a couple of days later, he was saying, told me that that was the this is the first program at Pius where they had ever gotten into lifting. And I was like, really? You guys had some nice little frames to start with and for guys that haven't lifted. And that core strength serves him well, being a smaller guy. He's so dang shifty. He takes care of the basketball because he's, he's low to, to the get ground. to the rack. No, no. Not he's, one bit. He may not be the biggest guy on the floor, but he'll play like the biggest guy on the floor. And I'm telling you, my man is yoked. Like, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Gets it in. But at night, the Team Jack Gala took place. In Lincoln at the uh, Cornhusker Marriott Hotel, I think is uh, the name of the building, and it was it was a a moving event. It's unbelievable. We'll just, we'll just say that because the amount of money that they raised, I couldn't believe it. I I said to to people at my table there, I, I you know I attend a lot of trivia nights with silent auctions and some other charitable events with with silent auctions. I don't think I've ever seen a silent auction that loaded with great um, baskets, items, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, than the Team Jack fundraiser. And boy, did they raise some money, too. I don't know the exact amount, but I can at least say this. Whenever they went around the room at the end of the night and said, who's just willing to donate? Nothing on the line, right? You don't get anything mm -hmm. back for your investment here. Team Jack was able to raise... $60,000 in that room mm -hmm. by the night's end. Just, just right there. And that doesn't even include all, all of the things that they gave away live auction and silent auction. That's just that one little portion. But outside of it being a fantastic event for a, a fantastic cause, uh, at the event were some pretty notable names. Alex Smith spoke at the event, and that was kind of unique at first until I, I found out his story. I didn't realize his, his daughter, I believe his six-year-old, six, seven-year-old daughter uh, was diagnosed with brain cancer last year. And uh, I believe, if I remember the story correctly, uh, the, they removed the tumor, but then residual uh, tumor cells were present. So they have to go through another round of, I don't know if it's chemo or radiation or whatever uh but he spoke about that and his journey like coming back from his leg injury and thinking like wow like this is this is tough versus now seeing like what his daughter has to go through um other former huskers were there uh, rex burkhead was there other other big yeah. names he, he he was the original he had the great relationship with jack and i remember him seeing that event a couple of years and we had jim kelly um as the keynote speaker and if you ever want, like, perspective, just listen to somebody. Again, when Jim Kelly compared it to his journey, missing part of his mouth and half his tongue and to what his son was going through. And it's like, 
man. <laughs> well, it affects you differently when it's your oh, offspring. No, what, what, 100%. It's, it's just a fantastic event. It's mm-hmm. legendary. Yep. And Cam Jurgens was back after going to the Super Bowl. Kenny Bell was there. Just a lot of names. But then the Nebraska coaching staff again was present mm-hmm. somewhere. And we, we talk about it a lot on this show about how invested they are into the community and how involved they are in recruits' lives and their team and their players' lives and you know it, all of all of that jazz. But until you live it, you can only like speak it so much. So it was it was refreshing for me to actually see it in the flesh. Coach Rule was there, Coach White was there, Coach Dvorak was there, Omar, Omar was Omar there. Hales, yeah. um, other members of that staff were there um, in, like, director roles. Um, Trev Alberts was there. Ted Carter was there. A lot of big – the governor was there. Mm-hmm. So it, being able to, to watch and interact with, with some of these coaches, in the, like I say, in the flesh was good for me. And, you know, I, I crossed paths with Coach Dvorak uh, in the bathroom. I was walking in. He was walking out, and I kind of just uh, – awkwardly standing in the bathroom doorway, talked to him a little bit about how uh, we were just talking about him on our show and how much he loves football, and that's what we gauged, at least from him. And I could really see that he didn't want to be anywhere else in that moment. And I thought, wow. Meaning you had his full attention? I had his full attention. And I'm like, wow, you know, in the midst of this event, you're probably thinking a bunch of different things. Why is this weird kid accosting me in the the bathroom? Um, But he didn't. He, he wanted to hear what I had to say, and then he was willing to, to converse with me. But the biggest takeaway that I had, DB, and again, we'll talk to Brady Oltman's here in a few moments, but I wanted to get to this story before we did, was talking to Coach White after the fundraiser was over. I saw him walking out with his son, T3, and... Oh, you guys are cool now. Oh, yeah. T3. That's how he introduced him. So I'm like, man, I, I will never forget that. Um, yeah, t- me and Tony White are boys. No, but... I introduce myself, and I have an easy icebreaker, right? It's, hey, I, I have this morning show in Omaha with Damon Benning. You probably have at least heard his name once or twice um, just with that program or with Coach Rule. No, no, uh, and no. he's like, oh, yeah, I know Damon. Him and uh, Coach Rule are best buds. No, and, right, uh, no he didn't say that, uh, but uh, I can fluff the story a little bit. And I was just talking with, with Coach White and – here are the three things that I took away from my conversation. Relationship building is one. I know we use that term a lot whenever we describe this coaching staff, but this is someone that genuinely cares. It's, it, I got in the car and drove home with Ashley, and I said, There's no one, it's no wonder why people or, or kids want to play for this team, for this staff, for this guy. It's because you never, you're never worried about not getting return fire. Does that make sense? Like, he's not going to ever just say, shake your hand and, like, move forward and and not treat you the same as he's going to treat somebody else on the street. Like, he's always going to be there to return fire with questions or answers from him to one to get to know you Mm -hmm. and vice versa. I never felt a wind uh, of the fact that he was ever going to not make me a priority in that conversation. The second thing I used the term already but was invested. He never lost eye contact. He never seemed disinterested. He asked questions about my personal life and wanted to know the next time that I'd be up in Lincoln. 
can you can you imagine just <laughs> asking somebody that like hey when's the next time you're gonna be up there yeah. like I'd love to I'd love to talk and get like continue like our conversation I'm like yeah you know I'm gonna show up at practice like you know March 20th first day or whenever you know media yeah. members can first show up it's wide open I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna show up as much as I can because I want to get to know you guys in this team and he's like he's like let me, let me know when you're coming back up. What coach says that? Mm. I know I'm a media member in town and not just like some average Joe, but like even for me, like what coach tells a media member like, hey, hey, let me know when you're back. And then the last thing that I wanted to, to say is he mentioned Nebraska nice, which is something that kind of like stuck with me because a question I had for him, I didn't, I didn't want to ask him a football question like, man, you know, Coach Dvorak said your or defense is chaotic. Like, tell me why you think it's chaotic. I'm like, we don't need to talk football right now. Like, mm-hmm. let's get to know each other. And I asked him, what, what's the biggest change from coming over to New York to Nebraska? And he goes, the people are a heck of a lot nicer here. And I'm like, oh, no kidding. And then his son chimes in and goes, oh, you have no idea. And it's a real thing because, I mean, I visited New York a couple of times, and people in New York aren't as nice. But what I took away from that was he never let the negative world, like, enter his life when he was up in Syracuse. Like, he he was doing his thing. He did it his way. And and none of the... I'm better than you vibes or or hey I'm, Didn't you I'm love it, it don't you love vibes. his like his cadence like his delivery is real it, it never came out like that and uh, it, it's just something that it's easily picked up on he it was like he wasn't playing me right yeah it, he was there for the conversation and I walked out like I said of that conversation the rest of the night I couldn't think of anything else outside of the fact of like wow I can't wait to make my way back up there mm-hmm. to not only just talk to him but to talk to everybody else up there like that's just that's a small sample size of what the staff is I'm telling you and it's and it's by design it's not by chance I mean he in the same vein you get guys that are authenticity is always what I talk about right so I pit him against a guy like coach Coop they're, they're polar opposites in their delivery. Coop's high energy. He, you know, he's kind of a lover. He, he's a, an encourager. He's super confident. And you can feed off of that. And then you pit that against a guy that still is a lover, is all about kids, but a much different delivery style, right? So when you need to reach different kinds of kids with the same staff, you need to have a similar vision even though they have different personality traits. That's where common language matters. That's where being on the same page matters. Because they're two different, completely different people. And the cool thing is, just like on a personal note, it's like it it works, right? Because I have a kid that <clears throat> um, loves the hay, the, like the energy. Right. But in the same vein, he also likes just to be able to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation. So... When you can tag team it with a guy like Super Coop and, and, and Coach White in terms of their personalities to mm-hmm. talk defense, you're getting the best of both worlds for, for, for a personality. And I'm telling you, I just think he built – it's totally intentional. It's totally intentional they, how he built They the leave staff. you with the feeling of, I can't wait to go back. You know, can you imagine just me saying that and now put, put a recruit in my shoes? Yeah. They're thinking the same thing. It's not. It's not that this because I'm a 
a media member in town talking to a coach that he, he's he's just like building me up so that I say nice things about him. If if I didn't want to say nice things about him, I don't have to. So you just, so remember last week and I somebody had the great gif where they tweeted back to me go after db has a conversation with somebody that holds his interest it's like and i think the gif said are we best friends see that's what i was saying like when they talk to you it's almost like are we that cool are we that that's how i felt man (laughs) see now you know (laughs) and i get it and (laughs) until you experience it i it's it it, it sounds like I said, it sounds like a lot of fluff, but if you ever get the chance to experience something like this with this staff, you'll say the same thing. What I tell you, I was like, I, are there cameras around? Am I on candid camera? Like, I, it's not a DB. And I try to tell people that. It's not, it's not a, well, it's because you. No, it's not. I, it's like I could see through the BS, right? Like, I know if it's not legit. I've done this forever. Like, I know, and I'm just telling you, you feel different. When they talk to you, it's and it weird. I'm not gonna lie, it weirds me out a little bit. But I've said this out loud before, right? Right. I constantly second guess these conversations because they shouldn't go like that between strangers. No, it's not one bit. Just shouldn't. But it does. Let's change gears. Let's talk to Brady Oltman. We can continue the conversation with him. He's on Streamyard with us now, Brady. I don't know how much you caught of that story as you kind of sat back and uh, you know took whatever in that that you can, but uh, I was just telling a little bit about my first interaction with Coach Wyatt and Coach Dvorak, and I, you know, I guess I'll ask you the same thing, because for for a, a lot of us that are, you know, heavily involved with this team, this program, it's easy to kind of just regurgitate what we hear, right? Oh, big relationship building, like they're in it they're not in it, not just in it to win it, but in it for the player, in it for the that next recruit. Do you have a similar experience? Like, it, can you echo a lot of stuff that we're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there have been a couple of times where I've reached out to, you know, e- email even administrative staff members, you know, people that Matt Rule brought in, not only on the coaching side, but just kind of, you know, in the, the, the administration side of football. And within a couple of minutes, you know, they'll email me back. Uh, they text me back. Uh, if I have a, a question, a point of a point of clarification or even just you know asks about are you cheering for the eagles in the super bowl kind of thing and they're like of course you know the moat because some of them are from philly and coached with him at temple um they're they're big people builders it's not just hearsay and, and coach speak that you get out of there they're they're very fundamental relationship built people and they'll they'll talk to you like a person and not like a, a media apparatus or or something like that brady be honest there was there a point in time where you you had to check with yourself and say maybe too good to be true isn't exactly it but you want to do so you want to take some self inventory and say am, am I being gullible here or is this really how you guys are like did you do that oh yeah well yeah. and I've kind of that being a small town Nebraska guy you know you kind of check yourself like if somebody's being that nice to you right away you kind of have you know uh, just a, a knee-jerk reflex, like, is this guy playing me? You know, like, is he trying to get something out of me kind of thing? And and especially, like, with the media coaching thing, uh, there's always kind of that point of separation where, like, you want to be close with them, you want to have a good re- working relationship with them, but it's easy if they try to, like, spin you on something and you kind of buy into it. Um, so you kind of have to have a healthy little distance to it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I approached it that way, but you still, at the end of the day, you know, they're – they talk to you like a person and you kind of like, you know, 
um, even even with that, the arm's length separation, you still kind of feel like, okay, no, they care. Like this isn't just a, a coach media thing. They, they truly care. We're talking to Brady Oltman, Nebraska football and recruiting reporter for Hale Varsity. And if you want to sign up for a Hale Varsity subscription, you can do so by using the promo code DB or AR. DB gives you that yearly discount. AR gives you that monthly discount, and you can check out articles that Brady and uh, the rest of the Hale Varsity team writes. Brady, take us down the recruit watch train, because I, I, I know that that's kind of uh, your premier focus, at least just in a lot of articles, outside of the fact that you wrote a ton about you know each positional group, but I want to take this this aspect first, because with Dylan Rayola in town over the weekend, um, Figuring out if he's next is what people really want to know. But outside of Rayola, who's next on your list or Nebraska's list in this case? What baskets do they have their hands in and what can be expected? Well, it's kind of – I can't remember who I was talking with about it, but we kind of got to talking, does Nebraska get a commit before, you know, the, the VIP junior day um, and the, the big group that they've got coming in uh, – right about the first week of spring ball. And I kind of thought naturally you tend to say no, but the way that this coaching staff is really aggressive on the recruiting trail, you thought, you know, there might be a, just a random kid from Texas or something that commits. And sure enough, you know, they, they get uh, Roger um, down there at, at Rice consolidated last, I guess it'll be last week now. Um, and I think they're going to continue to kind of, especially once the dead, recruiting dead period kind of opens up, they're going to be a little bit more active with it and they're not going to rest on their loyals and wait until that VIP junior day. Um, the next individual guy that kind of catches my eye is Ian Flint. Uh, they've been really aggressive um, knowing that he is a priority of uh, trying to build that relationship. And obviously his sister throws, um, throws at Nebraska on the track team. So they've got a good relationship there. Uh, you know, their dad is a former Nebraska trackster. So there's a lot of, a connection there and i think you you see that in some of the the texas pipeline or texas high school guys that they want to get in and then obviously the belby west standouts isaiah mcmorris has got plenty of visits nebraska included um davon hall would be on that list as well and then obviously damon knows they're they're seriously looking at kids from west side so it's they're they've got their hands and you know spread out all over the place all over the map but um I don't think that that means that they're they want to get them all basically. Unfortunately and fortunately, because yeah. <laughs> what you what you said early on, it's like you want to keep a healthy distance, and I swear I've tried, but I'm like all in, right? And I am a part of the media, I guess, which is hard for me because I do the the radio broadcast, right? So as the play by play voice or the color voice, it's like, yeah, you've, you're on the Homer network. But when it's your kid involved, that's not my deal, right? Like, I have to draw that separation. We just put together his schedule last week, and, you know, he's one of those guys that is now going down on March 25th. I tried to guard against it. Uh, I did not win that battle. Nebraska staff greater than dad, uh, which we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, so he's got to be down there on the 25th too. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at that. That March 25th day, Brady, what do you think it was about gathering the momentum real time that has made that such the weekend, especially this early in spring? Well, 
it's it kind of runs with the theme of what this coaching staff does with recruiting. I mean, Matt Rule comes in and immediately hits the ground run and they he offers, you know, like two offers within the first 24 hours and one of them is Jalen um out of Westside and they ultimately get him to sign and, and come to Nebraska. Uh that that recruiting gains steam as you get more guys, you build more excitement. Sure they're undefeated right now, and, you know, which everybody is at this point in the off season, but it there's the energy is still there. And then I think the other big domino that comes in is once you get the number one overall recruit in the country set is, you know, lock in a visit and be there. Other guys want to play with a cal with that kind of caliber of athlete. Um, and if it's, if Nebraska is a, 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 a big enough draw for him enough to get on his radar and take a visit, they say, well, maybe it's good enough for me too. So they've, they are attracted to that. They want to kind of be in that same in that same pot. A lot of kids are coming that same weekend. They'll be around each other. They'll get to talk, and it just you know competition breeds success. Sharp iron sharpens iron, and it's just kind of one of those things that once that ball gets going, it's it's tough to get it to stop. So they're and I think getting it right at the beginning of spring ball is big too. You get that momentum going, it kind of stirs the pots, kind of stirs maybe the players that are still in the program because they get to see the kids and they get to, you know, feed off that energy a little bit. And then it's only a week before the spring game. And then the fans get to feed off that energy too. Talking recruiting is one of my favorite things to do with you, man. Um, and you know, a, a question that, or not really a question, it's somebody that we really didn't even get to talk about all too much when his offer did come was Tory Pittman the uh, third, and the spotlight has not escaped the eighth grader uh, here in our backyard, which could be looked at as one of the more crazier offers in a good way that has been given so He's far. Um, is offering somebody so talented this young really that crazy anymore though because it seems no matter how old you are a coach will find you one way or another yeah I, I it's not that crazy at all I mean obviously it's going to garner headlines because of that the age I mean it's 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 an oddity but it's not crazy I mean you've got the the Trent Seaborn I think is his name that eighth grade prodigy down in Alabama who is playing varsity and you know dropping dimes against guys four years older than him in Nebraska was one of the many schools to offer him this last fall it's if you're going to stand and the way that um other prodigies previous prodigies have kind of worked out the college game it kind of it think it lessens worries and now coaches are saying well if we see this kid if he's got it you know capital it it in eighth grade they're gonna not hesitate to offer a scholarship as much now and then they're going to try to stay invested you know, it kind of draws out the recruiting process over some years and they're, you know, not allowed to do certain things, take the, all the visits and everything until a couple of years later. But it, it, if you want to talk about relationship building, what this coaching staff likes to do starting early and in the eighth grade is a good way to do it. And if you get kind of that excitement for Nebraska football built in those kids at eighth grade, I think it kind of, it, it helps out the program in a lot of ways. Brady, if you're taking a look at, um, will Nebraska do you think put themselves in a position where time will be of the essence to commit? Could you see a class or the fervor being such that everybody's got to get all in in a certain amount of time? Um, it's, it's really difficult to say because Nebraska still kind of is behind the eight ball a little bit. A lot of other schools have multiple, you know, 24 commits right now. And, and Nebraska just got its first one last week. But I think especially – it's kind of a cop-out to say, but it, it all depends on, not all of it, but it largely depends on what happens with Dylan Rayola. I mean, if he were to commit in May or, or even in April, 
get ready for a multitude of, of commitments and Nebraska energy in the weeks that follow, because that's, that's the big domino to fall and guys want to follow that. Um, if he draws out his commitment, it might take a little bit of time and the coaching staff might get a little happy feet or a little bit concerned, but it's, we, we've seen, you know, this, it doesn't take long for this coaching staff to garner a handful of recruits at a given time. And, I definitely don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility this year either. Good tease. We'll talk about that more in our sports cleanup. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, B.O. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. I don't know if you caught it, but DB's just out here taking selfies of himself from an above angle, trying to get his best look. That's exactly what he's doing. That's why he hasn't put the headset on. He knows I'm right. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning with Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. We're having some fun, right? It's Monday. I almost wanted to say it's Friday. You wish Did I do Friday? something wrong? Anybody? Andrew's going to learn here shortly. But that you—it's going to be hard lessons. No, it's—it's—it's—it seems like a Monday, but it's fun like a Friday, just because of the rain last night. And I sleep with the windows open, so yeah, you I like heard to every, sleep in I the heard flood. Every, heard every bit of it. It's like well, Noah's Ark in your house. Well, it's kind of blocked that front window. I don't think much can get in there. It'd have to fall. You know that just Twitter right. page, oddly terrifying. Like that could be your Did house you s- on that page. So you tweeted out, or you asked me about the one picture where those seamen on the front of the ship when say? it was rocking. Oh. There was another one that they tweeted out that where the boat was taking on water in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I saw that one with <laughs> yeah. the water coming in. No thanks. No thanks. I just want to know where it goes. <laughs> no, it just goes out, right? Uh, Doesn't it drain out? Yeah, through the. Through the bottom hole, or like uh-huh. what's like yeah. what's going on? But yeah, being out in the ocean, it's a it's a dangerous place. A whole new world. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I thought a shark was going to pop through that window or something. Fuds. <laughs> they're not like that. You you got a bad. Oh, you've I've seen too many, four, too many forty seven meters down, man. <laughs> Hey, as we went into the break, Brady brought up a good point with uh, Dylan Rayola, and I know we wanted to get back into the conversation of expectation and uh, how that kind of how that kind of weighs on an eighteen, nineteen-year-old kid as they come into college. Of can you meet expectation versus um, if you don't, how you overcome some of the things in your path. Um, which I think is very interesting because we talked a little bit about that with Malachi Coleman in this recruiting class of somebody that has a lot of expectation going into Lincoln. And uh, it, it's kind of unnecessary stressors that get put on to the player, but at the same time necessary to acknowledge by the player mm-hmm. and know that, you know, I, I do have a lot of hype following me, but it's because of all the work that I put in to get to this point. And people know that I've had that within me. So if I don't live up to the cause, if I don't live up to the expectation, what will then happen? Well, we saw a little bit of that with Scott Frost. He didn't live up to expectation at all. And unfortunately, right, we've seen a lot of different – there's a lot of unique perspectives. You can ask guys like, uh, you know, John Perella, who came back here to coach, uh, was let go for – you know, a lot of things other than just 
coaching acumen. Uh, you know, Josh Banderas' dad uh, was a Lincoln guy. He played here. Um, mixed reviews on the amount of pressure having went to school at Lincoln Southwest. Um, you know, Xavier Watts, one that got away, wanted to do something different other than just staying at the home school. Uh, Malachi Coleman, Lincoln East local guy, wants to embrace staying in town with what comes with the local school. I ask about, you mentioned Frost. That one is, the, it's a case study into its own. People don't want to talk about it anymore because I think it's easier to just say you moved on. And yeah, I just get, brush and it I, under the rug. And I get it. But there's plenty to learn. There's plenty to learn. And there's plenty from to start, acknowledge. And don't think we don't talk about it in our in our household with um, expectations, pressure being a privilege, sharing a last name but being your own person. The Johnsons went through it with Keegan in Iowa. Rayola will go through it with His, Dylan. Wherever he uh, goes. You know, and I, I, I think it's a thing. Well, we talked a little bit about this, too, of the keep showing up aspect of, hey, he keeps showing up at Nebraska. If Nebraska keeps showing up on his radar, Nebraska will all, and it will always have some type of place in his heart. It, it will hold some type of place in his heart because he is a legacy, because uh, he, he grew up, you know, basically on the football field with his dad, no matter where he was. And, if it was in Detroit, um, that's where most of the time was spent, then yeah, you know, but Nebraska will always hold a place in his heart no matter what he so chooses. But keep showing up not only applies to Dylan Rayola, but it also applies to other recruits. It's something that we talked about during the break. Or during the break. You got a call last week from a Nebraska staff member. Uh, CJ Cavazos. And he not only wanted to just kind of, you know, yeah, we were just – we so the first, you know, however long, he's just talking. Like, mm-hmm. he just wanted to catch up, and I, and I liked him because he's an energy – big energy guy. And, and we were just talking about, you know, like when his wife was coming and family and stuff like that and um, his son when he got offered by Ohio State and just a multitude of things. He was very, very cool. – he was very, very gracious. You know, he was a big, hey, I'm just fortunate, you know, right place, right time. Uh, it's a total honor to be with Coach Rule. Like, you you know, it was just kind of small talk. And what did that small talk then lead to? It led into, uh, hey, he, let's let's talk a little bit about your son. Well, yeah, yeah, he just was and, like. And ask about him. And, and see. Asked state tournament, mm-hmm. you know, did I think they could make it to state? How the staff couldn't wait to get down to PBA and watch some of those guys live like under the same roof, and I was like, hey, you know, that's pretty cool that you'd embrace the the opportunity to come watch and play different sports. And he kind of said it like I was a ding-dong. He's like, why wouldn't we? Right? Like, it's in our backyard. We get a – and I said, oh, man, I said, that's that's super refreshing. What did that lead to? <laughs> what did keep showing up lead to? Uh, well, a week ago, you know, 10 days ago, I said, well, he doesn't want to go down on March 25th because I just think he wants to, to see it on just like a regular day. That's what I said like eight, nine, ten days ago. Today, this past weekend, he's going down on March 25th. 
And so yeah, that's what that led and to. And that's the takeaway. It's, it's, just, that it's not about not only just keeping showing up on campus for Dylan Rayola, but it's the staff to keep showing up on other recruits' lists. And he's, he's played a couple of times in Lincoln already for state, for state basketball. Now, he was young once, wasn't on the recruiting radar uh, last year. Um, you know, every opportunity to go down. You know, that was I. You know, I sat with Jason Peter and some other guys that weren't on staff. But we talked about just being present at PBA. So all I did was he said, "Hey, give my best. You know, best wishes. Looking forward to seeing him play other sport. You know, play another sport and compete. Here he's this. I hear he's that. Whatever." And he's like, "Hey, give him my best." He's, and so when I got ready to hang up, he's like, "Hey, don't don't big time me now. Just give him my best." Okay, so. I re, he wanted to know about the whole conversation. How did it start? Yada yada yada. I told him, and he's like, "Yeah." He goes, "I want to. I don't want to wait that long. Let's get. Let's let's go March 25th." So I was like, "Okay, I guess we're going March 25th, right?" Just little things. It wasn't even, "Hey, come down." It wasn't even. He knew that he had had the standing invite going into it because, you know, they were like, hey, come every day if you want. Like, that would be the more the merrier. But w- when I said that, it's I don't know what clicked. And I try not to ask him those kinds of things this early, but I don't know what clicked. But he's like, yeah, let's go down. But let's be real here because I don't think you or – I think it was the basketball approach. Right. But, I, but like I said, I don't think you or he would be, you know – overcome with like some some type of thought about me for saying this but you know oh this ought to be good if he if he wanted to go to nebraska he would already committed by now if if like if if caleb wanted to be a legacy of you i truly believe that he would have committed by now but because he's keeping his options open i don't think he knows enough just be, is that just because of age right now? Just because yeah. he's a junior? Yeah, I just don't think he knows enough. Okay, well, e- even still, but uh, like a lot of times I see with legacy kids in state, they're like, "Hey, I want to play where dad played. Hey, I want to play with the team that I grew up watching every single weekend." Yeah, and you know, maybe maybe I'm thinking too far into that side of it and not into the player side of it. Of hey, there's a lot of other programs out there that can benefit me or help me improve to get to becoming a Sunday player at some point. Um, and, and, you know, maybe I'm just a little oblivious to that stuff because I'm not in those shoes. But that just goes to show that Nebraska also is making it a priority to stay on his radar because they know that it's going to be hard to get a kid with his talent to come to their university. I, I think it's different for everybody. You know, what I, what I told him to do is, you know, you need to talk to the Josh Banderases. You need to talk, when well, he already does, talk to Keegan and – the Maverick Noonans, who he thinks the world of, you know, because um, everybody has their own story to tell, you know, and do with that information what you will. The, the moral of the story is, is Nebraska's authenticity, I think, in just building relationships is how they're pulling it off. It's and that's just recruiting as a whole, just the authenticity of the relationships. They're good at what they do. There's no two ways about it. We'll switch it around. Talk Creighton basketball with Ravi Lula next. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Moore has it top of the key. Shot clock at seven. Back out to Dixon. 
Shot clock at four. Dixon wants to attack all the way in. Layup is good. And a foul. He's got 28 and he's going to the line. And they're rocking here in South Philadelphia. Our poll question of the day was sparked by something DB said uh, earlier this morning. And it's, you know, what what basketball program's feeling better about themselves right now as the season kind of winds down and postseason approaches? Is it Creighton, who is still going to be a part of the 68, but on the backtrack, right, losing a couple of games here, and I think three out of their last four, or is it Nebraska, who's won four straight, playing for an NIT bid, has a, uh, you know, a glimpse of what, the 68 and I know the play. easy answer would be to be Nebraska but if you think Nebraska is just living on borrowed time and inevitably it comes to a close that may factor into the correct that, the bas- their basketball team psyche and Creighton conversely could be thinking we got better days ahead so that's why that, it's not as low-hanging a fruit question right. in my it opinion. seems easy but it's not yeah. if you really think about postseason let's welcome in Ravi Lula now to talk more about Creighton Ravi good morning Hey, what's going on, guys? Robbie, what's up, buddy? Is Nebraska prolonging the inevitable, or is Creighton know that there'll be better days ahead? Well, it depends on what you think the inevitable is for Nebraska. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I don't think there's any blue skies out there in terms of what this season is, and unless you, you know, if, if finishing above five hundred is you know the big win, then yeah, that's that's possible, that's doable, but. I think in the grand scheme of things, you look at their roster, you look at the guys they're probably losing next year, and as good as this year turned out to be in terms of coming together, you still look at long-term building blocks and success, and you're like, I don't know how much is going to be left from this year. Mm. Um, As far as Creighton's concerned, it's kind of one of those things where I just don't really know what to expect from this team to say that there are for sure better days ahead. There's better days out there for sure, but are they behind them? Are they the it was it the the eight game winning streak that were the better days and they're kind of mm. regressing again the way we did the way we saw after the the start of the season? I really don't know. What I do know is that they didn't look locked in pretty much from the jump against mm-hmm. Villanova, a team that they needed to be locked in for, a game that they needed really to help themselves out in the Big East tournament seedings and they just didn't look ready or locked in or whatever you want to call it so I don't know if there's better days ahead there's better in them than what we saw I just don't know on any given day whether we're going to get it or not yeah Robbie you know I want to ask both of you a question here both you and DB you guys can both answer and then I'm going to follow it up with a question to you how many games this year do you think Ryan Kalkbrenner has double digit attempts from the field out of 20, 30 games? Out of all of his games that he's played. So it's going to be really low because it, it's something that actively angers me. He ends up in like the 8 to 9 range Correct. a lot. Double digits. Um, and I'd love to see him in like the 12 to 15 range every game. Yeah. You're I'm already answering say, my question. You're already, I'll, yeah, I'll, go ahead. I'll, I'll go first and I'll say six. All right, six. What do you think, Robbie? It's, I think it's definitely under 10. I'll say 8. It is 7. Meet in the middle. <laughs> right, in the middle. Two, right in the middle. <laughs> He's averaging 70.9% from the field, and this team can't find a way to get him, get him the ball at double 
double-digit attempts. That is the problem offensively. No, let me ask you something, though, Ravi. I'm telling you, I argued about this for two weeks. So I'll ask you, how much of that is not necessarily just play design, hey, chalkboard, draw it up, but for Kalk to occasionally at least face the basket or get the ball off the block, maybe on the elbow. Like, how much of that is is his willingness to to do something different with his own repertoire? I mean, that might be part of it, but you also have to think like, okay, if he faces up, what do you want him to do there? You know, like, I, I don't know. I just don't know if that's in his game right now where he can go one, two dribbles, kind of spin into a post up and then make his move from there. I don't. I don't know if that's something he can I'm do right that. now. I'm with that. Um, mm. here's, here's the thing that I think is the biggest issue for Creighton is I don't think they're very good at entering the ball into the post. It's hard, actually. I just don't, I don't, don't think the guards are very good at it. I think Kalkbrenner seals a lot more often than people realize, and they just can't get him the ball. Mm. So, to me, that's the big issue is they just can't, get it to him when he seals he seals plenty i don't think it's i don't so let me let me get clarity because i don't want to correct you if you're saying the same mm-hmm. thing i don't think it's that they don't know how to deliver an entry pass which i do think is a difficult skill set because so many teams now don't play through the post it's kind of mm-hmm. a lost art i think it's more late than not it it comes That's- i think it comes late or not when he actually has position are you saying something different or the same well, I think it can be both, okay, right? Because the timing is part of the skill of the entry pass, right? So whether it's, hey, I just can't physically get the ball in the right spot with a little bit of pressure in my face, or I don't see it until it's too late, those are kind of in that same skill set to me. Because I agree with you, like it, post-entry is a skill that it's, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sound like an old guy, oh, it's a lost art, like the mid-range It is, jumper. though. But it is because a lot of teams just don't use it that way. I mean, we see how most teams use bigs. We've seen how Creighton has used bigs in the past. It hasn't really been a priority to get them post-up touches. Well, Kalkbrenner has the touch and the footwork that that should really be the centerpiece of your offense and everything flows outward from there because it's not just the field goal percentage. Look at your true shooting percentage. Look at your effective field goal percentage. He very well might be the most efficient two-point scorer in the country. And he is getting less than 10 shots a game. Now, I understand with volume efficiency, sometimes or often wanes a little bit, but I'm willing to give up a little bit of that efficiency for more volume because the drop-off between his efficiency and the next guy's efficiency on that team is enormous. Is it because, to to answer maybe part of DB's point and uh, going off of what you were saying, is the lack of getting Kalkbrenn of the ball because guard play is getting away from their strength when it comes to they were so good about passing the ball early on this season and during their winning stretch, but a lot more times than not when they are trailing, they put the ball on the ground. And when they put the ball on the ground, that's why I think there's a lot of late entry passes or even they late dribble looks too to much? Kalkbrenner oh, because they're, I get they're dribbling instead of passing. And if you were passing and moving defenders, Kalk would have that seal more times than not, and you could get it inside. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, point. They, do, they bog down really badly when they – 
when the offense isn't going well. Their default is, oh, I can just take this guy off the dribble. And to be fair, the only guy that can really do that consistently and make tough shots, I think, is Trey Alexander, and he's not shooting the ball well right now. So that's a problem. Nemhard has that to a certain degree, but he's kind of got to take you off. He's got to like catch you by surprise a little bit to get shots off, in especially inside, just because of his size. That's why I didn't love the Providence game where he had the ball in his hands for one of the last shots was because, well, if you know he's shooting it, it's a lot easier to defend. He's harder to defend when you don't know what he's going to do with the ball. And a lot of these guys, whether it's Trey, whether it's Nemhard, whether it's uh, Kaluma, whether it's Shireman, they, they tend to over-dribble when the offense is getting bogged down and they're just trying to get a bucket and trying to get the team going. And the ball movement and the player movement off-ball just really dies. And so I don't know if that's a direct correlation to Kalkbrenner. It probably is to a certain degree. But I also think it can go the opposite way, where if you can just find a way to get him a post-touch because of how efficient he is down there, he's either going to have a really good chance of getting a a bucket or they're going to send a double, and now all of a sudden your entire offense opens up. Of the kind of a It's kind of a chicken or an egg thing there for me in terms of, is it the fact that the offense is bogging down because they're not getting Kalkbrenner the ball, or are they not getting Kalkbrenner the ball because the offense is bogging down? Of the staggering single-digit numbers, since we're on the single-digit theme, I'll get you out on this. Which was the most staggering that resulted via or at, that led to you think the the score discrepancy? Only six turnovers for Creighton, and never really being in that game. The mm-hmm. fact that Caleb. Daniels only scored two points, the fact Justin Moore only had eight, or the fact that Ryan Nemhart only made one field goal. Which of those single-digit numbers are the most surprising via the outcome? Um, in, in regards to the outcome, probably the turnovers. Because you look at games against Villanova and you say, hey, if I don't beat myself, I like my chances. Mm-hmm. And they only had six turnovers. That's as good of a number as you're going to have against anybody. And the fact that they only had six turnovers, they really didn't beat themselves, at least in that regard. And they still were never really in it is pretty alarming. Because if you look at it, you're like, hey, we turned it over 16 times. We played sloppy. We can clean that up. If you look at it and say, hey, we only had six turnovers, it becomes harder to start pointing at things to say, hey, what do I fix here in order to get a better result? And there are things that they need to fix, but it's more difficult than like, hey, we need to take care of the basketball. Hot day for Eric Dixon, real quick, yay or nay. Hot day for Eric Dixon. That's why the drop coverage doesn't work, or is Creighton exposed in how they utilize drop coverage? I mean, I think they're a little exposed in the way they utilize drop coverage. Their rotation behind Kalkbrenner has been really bad all year. Mm. No doubt, because they just put the big man in the middle. Thanks, <laughs> Robbie. Appreciate your time. Hey, fantastic, Robbie. Thanks. See you guys. And thank all of you for listening to the show today. If you missed any of it, go to your favorite podcast platform, and you can find Apple, Spotify, Hail Varsity Radio, and find the rest of the show. We'll see you tomorrow.